Hello, and welcome to episode 134 of Flicks in a Six. I'm one of your hosts, Anthony Costanzo. With me, forever and always, the man, the myth, the League of Shadows, Alessandro Bielsi. Say hello, Al. Greetings, exalted one. Allow me to introduce myself. I'm Al Bielsi, co-host of this podcast and cousin to Anthony Costanzo. What? <laughs> Sorry, also, I was watching Return of the Jedi the other day. What? Okay, 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 that, that works. Also joining us this week, returning guest and friend of the show, Gary Gorecki. Say hello, Gary. I am flexing the Six Reckoning. <laughs> <laughs> On this week's episode, delays, theater openings, what we wish we saw, and other news and nuggets, all before diving into our flick of the week, The Dark Knight Rises. But first, Al, what are you drinking? <laughs> yeah, we're, so, we're, we're in uncharted waters today, as we have three separate beers for three separate co-hosts, so... Um... I'm drinking Bear. It's a American brown ale from Treehouse Brewing. Nice. Oh, wow. Any, any story for that one? No, Treehouse doesn't do stories, but I do have <laughs> a delightful... That is sick can art. Right? I'm all about it. That I, bear is shouting at us. I knew you'd love it. I love oh, it. it's, it's so good. Simply Bear. <laughs> love it. All right. Uh, Gary, what are you drinking? I have Big Wing Haze by Stony Creek Brewing. Uh, it's a newer... Varietal double IPA, 9.3%. Uh, I actually went down to the brewery the other day with some friends, uh, but it even it wasn't available on draft or to order there just to go. So I took it on the run. Um, I've had it before, and I'm excited to describe it to you guys. <laughs> I'm excited <laughs> to have it again. Uh, I'm drinking New Belgium Voodoo Ranger Juicy Haze IPA, which I believe should just say... An Anthony beer when you walk into <laughs> that section of well, the store. I've definitely had that beer before, but what's throwing me is, did we not do that one for the show? Because for some reason, I felt like we did. I, feel I don't like think so. We if, we, if we did, it was in a bottle, and I don't remember. Uh, I suppose that's possible, too. But for some reason, that's like striking a chord where it's like, not like the last couple of weeks, but maybe January or something. I, I definitely initially judged this beer by its cover because the can art is dope. And then I saw the name and I was like, oh, double whammy. <laughs> can, can you show me the can art? Cause I, I sure uh, can. We got this creepy skeleton guy. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. He's got sunglasses. He's got a he's got a playing card in his fedora. He's got, I don't, one of those hats with the wool ear <laughs> floppy flaps. Wait, he's got a fedora there. and one of those hats? Yeah, that, that hat's underneath the fedora. He's very well hatted. He is a dapper gentleman. <laughs> you know, what but, uh, happened to the card in the band of the fedora? Uh, I believe it went out with the fedora. <laughs> yeah, but then All the fedora the, came yes. back sans card. Mm, that's true. That's true. We could rectify this. Uh, gentlemen, cheers. Cheers. Mm. With the sound effect. I like it. I like oh, it. Oh, this, and the poor. This, this oh. bear is very brown. This... Rangers doing some voodoo. <laughs> I don't know. I got nothing. <laughs> Hold on, I'm almost. Gary's done. Gary's still pouring. <laughs> Shh. Not while I'm pouring. <laughs> it's beautiful. Oh, look wow. how it's so thick. I'm <laughs> <laughs> just gonna leave that one out there. This is a fantastic beer. I'm not. I'm not the biggest Stony Creek guy, but I gotta say, if you guys see this in stores, I would certainly pick it up. Listen, I'm not familiar with Stony Creek. Uh, I this treehouse. Did not let me down, as Treehouse never does. Oh, this Mr. Treehouse over here. Well, my, my cousin, <laughs> before, pre-pandemic, one of my cousins who lives in Connecticut as well, he lives in Darien, actually. Um, 
he goes to Treehouse, like, it was becoming more and more frequent how often he was going to Treehouse, actually. Like, monthly or maybe even more often than that. <laughs> so you I mean, you gotta do what you gotta do. Uh, this one is delightful, um, as expected by the name. The only My only issue with it is it's definitely got a little bit too much of that boozy taste. Yeah. Um, it's higher alcohol, 7.5. Yeah. Um, but it's got, like, you could taste it through it, which is usually, I feel like, I, I don't really want to taste that part of it. It's fine if it's there. I just don't want that to be, like, the at the forefront. That's but it's true. it's still, still tasty and, and delicious, that's, so. That's fair. I mean, all the Ranger beers are pretty hop forward, pretty much. And then, I mean, New Belgium used to do an Imperial IPA called Rampant that was 10%. But, like, I just like a boozier taste sometimes. So, I understand where you're coming from. But Okay. Yeah. This, the, one's, um, this one's 6.4%. It's not, uh, it's not particularly noteworthy how, how much alcohol is in it. Hmm. Um, I believe during our, uh, our pumpkin beer extravaganza, part three, part four, we had a, a voodoo range that was like a habanero pumpkin beer. Oh, was that the voodoo? That that one was good. I'm pre- I thought it was. Maybe. Um, there were leftovers of that, and I was very happy about it. <laughs> I liked the first like two or three sips of the habanero beers, like the habanero sculpin. Mm-hmm. But uh, there's something about it being in the beer where it just so totally coats the palate that it becomes like a chemical burn. Mm. I am. Um, this particular one that I'm referring to is not that spicy. It has mostly the. It actually has like that sweetness from the pepper more than the spice. Hmm. But uh, yeah. all jalapeno beers are trash. I mean, they're just. That's, <laughs> why that's are you bold, doing this? That's a bold statement so and a strong stupid. opinion. <laughs> yes, but what about what are your thoughts on jalapeno margaritas though? Sure, Ooh. that's a margarita. Like you got sugar in there. Like it's not a beer. I do. I do make. I make jalapeno margaritas often. Great. I, Do you I like really? those. Yeah. Yeah. They're real good. Usually, uh, Chris, friend of the show, uh, makes these delicious. It's called cowboy is he, candy. Is he a friend they're of like the show? these pickled. <laughs> yeah. There's <laughs> these, there's these pickled jalapenos that he makes that are like super in like this kind of sweet syrup. Um, and the, the key ingredient is taking the margarita mix that you're using and just taking like a tablespoon out of that and replacing it with a tablespoon of the syrup from the, candied jalapenos and oh my god <laughs> is it good <laughs> uh but i use mezcal for it it's got a smoky taste very nice now, the best margarita i had was one at a mexican restaurant in weehawken i believe mm. where they were sitting behind the bar was like a cooler like you know like a little like gallon or two gallon or whatever cooler i forget um like the type of one that you it has, it's not like an office cooler because it's much smaller, but it's the one that you dispense water from. But there yeah. was stuff floating in it. And I was like, the fuck? So the bartender came over and I was like, can you tell me what's floating in that? Because there's clear liquid in that. And I assumed it was water, but I don't like floating things in my water. He goes, oh no, that's tequila and it's got jalapenos floating in it. And we make our, we make jalapeno margaritas from this. And I said, well, now I'm going to have to have one. Thank you. I'll have two. <laughs> Thank you. It was actually really good. Nice. I love that. That's that's that sounds delicious. Anyway, uh, where, what are you guys rating these beers? Give me thumbs. How many thumbs? Oh, this is easily two thumbs. Two thumbs for Al, two thumbs for Gary. I'll go one thumb for mine. One thumb it for sounds mine. like you started off really strong and kind of soured on it as you went. 
No, it's just a, it's it's very good. It's just the it's the booziness of it that I don't like. If that was gone, I, it would be a two thumbs for me. It's this, it's got everything else that I love. The reason I said this one was so very brown was because it's got everything I want from a brown ale. It was yeah. I mean, six point eight is actually pretty high for a brown ale. I mean, without being barrel aged or anything. Like you guys like the Newberg, right? Um, that's one of your yeah. Newberg's not that strong. Newberg's like four. No, that's four point eight. So yeah, I mean. I don't know. I would say that's pretty. That's pretty legit for a brown ale. Because then, anything over seven to eight percent is probably just getting into stout territory or imperial brown ale anyway. Newberg does a really good imperial brown. Yeah, uh, Sergeant Sergeant Elijah Brown. I think no, it is. I'm diggity down with Elijah I Brown. Think- <laughs> <laughs> I think I still have one in my fridge. Actually, save it for me. <laughs> <laughs> Correction, Gary has one in your fridge. <laughs> yes, I'm so uh, you guys... mad. I was gonna say I'm so mad. I missed out on the the limited release um, during the pandemic of Jessica. Oh my god, I was so fucking pissed. I went to order what it online. I told you that I went to order it online. Sour Jessica out. Porter. Yeah, Sarah Jessica. Porter. <laughs> 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 so I fucking mispronounced it after all that. Sour Jessica Porter, yes. That's right. Uh, oh my god, yeah, I no. It. I sold out of it like immediately. Oh it's... yeah, you heard that correct, Brett. Uh, Gary. It's wow. so good. It's so good. They they made uh, Newberg made and this was a few years ago. It was like a one-off release. It was a sour cherry, was it a brown ale or was it a Aunt, do you remember? Uh it was a porter. Oh, a porter? Yeah, duh. Yeah. What's in a name? Am I right? <laughs> I just totally blanked. I was just like, it was a dark beer. Which one was it? Yeah, duh. It's in the name. Sarah, Sour Jessica Porter. Yeah. Sour Jessica Porter. What Sour kind of beer is it? Pilsner. It was so freaking good. We did it with one of the first episodes of the show. Yeah, that was early. It was very it was very early. Oh man, that was a that was a treat and a half. That was a that was one of those. It was a. It wasn't like a larger bottle. Yeah, it was. Situation. It was, like, it was in like almost like a wine bottle. Yeah. Oh man. Oh, seven fifty. Yeah. Yeah. That was so good, guys. Let's get into some uh, news and nuggets, shall we? Okay. Uh, Gary, I'm actually gonna throw to you first. Uh, you, you mentioned before the show you got some news about AMC. I'd like to. So yeah. To dive in. Uh, this is actually kind of breaking news as of seven forty-five p.m. Um, Variety tweeted out an article quoting that AMC Theaters CEO Adam Aaron says that their cinemas won't require masks upon reopening because they didn't want to, quote, want to be drawn into a political controversy. So (laughs) as of right now, that's the news. (laughs) Uh Okay, and as and as you said, uh, yeah, that just by saying that you you failed. <laughs> but uh, that that seems that's. I mean, I wasn't gonna go to the theater right away anyway, just because it's just. It, I don't know when they're gonna open, but it's gonna probably be too soon. So I kind of want to give that a little bit of time to lapse. But um, I I would be fine with wearing a mask for the first few months of them being open again. <laughs> that's true. I mean, it is state by state. We do have to realize that. You guys are both in New York, um, and we're all in the tri-state area. Anthony's in in New Jersey. New Jersey. So we're all in the tri-state area. Uh, So obviously, I mean, we've had different um, delegations by the state about what to do specifically, and 
how the states are running. So we do have to keep that in mind. Um, Mm-hmm. However, <laughs> just by <laughs> they're politicizing the issue by bringing politics into it. I mean, they're a business, so they could just dictate whatever rules that they want based on whatever the regulations are in the state. I mean, they don't have to bring in politics into the situation at all. They can just say, these are our rules. This well, is how our business is operating. They could even concessions like concessions makes a lot of sense, you know, you can't eat popcorn in a theater with a mask on your face, or you can't buy a hot dog or nachos or wherever you're going. Um, you could very clearly just make that the reason why, because as a business, they're not just making money on tickets, obviously. Um, so I think. Well, the thing is, I was I was going to say, I mean, even if they're they can still sell concessions because with restaurants reopening, most of them are forcing you to wear a mask when you walk into the door. But then when you sit down, every time you take a bite, the mask is going to have to come off, which is why mm-hmm. I don't really understand how that's going to work. I'm not going to be at any indoor restaurants anytime soon because no. I don't understand how that works vis-a-vis, you know, wearing a mask and socially distancing. When, you know, you sit down in an enclosed room, no matter how big and spacious that room is, it is an enclosed room with recycled air. You sit down there for an hour and a half or two hours with the same people. doesn't matter how far they are from you. You're all breathing the same air. It's entirely different if you're sitting outside on like a patio or, if, you know, like, you know, if they have like a, a, a porch area outside of a, of a restaurant or something like that. Because there's open air. There's air circulating in the world. Sure. I will say that the second part of that AMC story that you didn't read was that you won't be required to wear a mask but if you don't, you will be required to purchase one of their feed bags filled with popcorn. <laughs> and if that's how you want to solve the problem, I'm all for it. <laughs> I also, I mean, and we don't do politics on this show mm. in, in any way. I'm still kind of hazy on how wear a mask is political in any way, shape, or form. <laughs> how there are political sides to whether or not you wear a mask. It's, it's not really... A political matter. It's either you believe in science or you don't believe in science. <laughs> it's you don't care whether you kill people with your illness that you may be carrying and not feeling any of the symptoms for, or you don't want to kill people with it. It's either you want to protect yourself from the potential of getting this virus, or you don't want to protect yourself from getting Right. None of those things are in any way, shape, or form political. There's no like lobbying on behalf of this. There's no parties running on a campaign platform of masks or no masks. (laughs) So where is the politics of this issue? Exactly. Yeah. I mean, this is, this is a statement from a movie theater. I mean, they're giving this statement, they're politicizing the issue (laughs) just by bringing it into their official statement, which is just. Yeah. mm, Unbelievable. Well, I guess what I was saying was kind of what I was saying is kind of in support of of what you're saying. It's like, you know, you're only, it's only become political because you've used the word. Right. There's nothing inherently political about we're deciding whether or not to allow you to wear masks or not wear masks, you know? And especially if they're going to be like limiting theater sizes, like they probably will be in blocking off seats. I mean, that's only the more reason not to require people to wear masks so they can eat their popcorn or their whatever, just six feet apart from each other. 
I wonder how well that's going to go on account of every movie theater that I go to is assigned seats only, and there's still always somebody in my seat, which drives me up a goddamn wall. That's going to make things worse, yeah. <laughs> well, every every time you go to the movie, except for when we saw Annihilation, in which there was just one other guy sitting directly behind us. Right behind oh, us. So creepy. <laughs> creepy shit. Anyway, Al, give me a nugget. Okay, you know what? I have the perfect nugget for this, because that was a fairly lengthy topic. So I'm going to read you a tweet, and then I'm going to read you someone's quote tweet of that tweet. First tweet, from IndieWire. Universal's plan to resume Jurassic World filming includes a $5 million safety plan, 150 hand sanitizer stations, and more. Details here. Quote tweet, from Abe Goldfarb. If only there was a notable fable about opening up a hazardous entertainment endeavor before it's safe to do so. Wow. Oh, man. Solid gold. <laughs> that guy nailed it. <laughs> I, right? I, I mean, oh, you, I feel like we need to talk about things like that. When 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 someone just so perfectly brings it full circle like that, it needs to be appreciated and lauded. We only have to take a minute or two to do it, unless you guys have more on that topic that you want to there, No, there, there, are, there are far fewer things that I enjoy than a matter-of-fact joke that just hits home. <laughs> it's so good. <laughs> I don't need to see a Jurassic movie of any kind ever again, regardless. So, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's just I love when when you know when you lose the forest for the trees like that. When you're when you're too close to the material that you don't realize that you're doing the thing, and then to take someone else to point it out. I, Gary, did you listen to today's Levitard show? No, I missed. Okay, so I was, you know, in the car because I drive, you know, like 100 miles a day for work. And I was listening today and they were talking about how they uh, there's been a bunch of brands and companies that are considering rebranding or changing their names, changing their logos and images. And some that have done so already because of potentially racist logos and imaging with their stuff, stuff like Aunt Jemima, Uncle Ben's etc. and so on. And how Land of Lakes already had removed the Native American... I believe it's Land O'Lakes. You're but absolutely go. correct. You're absolutely correct. Land <laughs> O'Lakes. <laughs> Fuck you. Uh, we should totally make a knockoff butter brand called Land of Lakes. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to carve a Land of Lakes Jack of Lantern. Um, <laughs> so oh, anyway, man. you you recall that Land O'Lakes had... <laughs> <laughs> I've got butter, Al. I, I don't understand. I mean, if you just looked at me for 10 seconds, you'd be like, this guy's had butter. <laughs> well, listen, just because you've had butter, I'm sure you've eaten many buttery things. It doesn't mean you've bought the butter. You could have bought other brands of butter. I'm not Regardless. a country cock guy. Wait. <laughs> <laughs> you, we are all familiar with the Lando Lakes logo, right? It's lakes. Sure. It's a sunrise, I believe. It's a Native American lady holding feather or something like that i forget um i didn't realize apparently because i haven't bought butter anytime recently that apparently they just kind of quietly got rid of them. yeah um because they didn't want to have that imaging and it's just now the picture of the lakes and the land that and the o. Is, that it is oh um and so they were talking about this on the levitard show and someone tweeted at the show and said how did you guys miss the opportunity to say of course the Lando Lakes got rid of the Native American and kept the land. <laughs> oh, no. 
Oh, God. And it's like, you know what? This this is in the same vein as people not, you know, you're, sometimes you're too close to the material and you don't even realize that you're doing the thing again. The thing that has been done that we want to distance ourselves from because it was bad, it was the wrong thing. And now, admittedly, there's no trail of tears on this one, but it's metaphorically the same thing over again. <laughs> Change the whole thing to oh butter, <laughs> and, that's, and that's it. Just keep yes, that. Yes, I mean this was always like just a butter company trying to make money, regardless. But do with that what you want. Well, it turned into a conversation. It, was, it turned into a conversation in which it's like, hey, if we're gonna have all these brands doing this, shouldn't we be saying like, hey, some of these like sports teams, like for instance the Washington Redskins, like pretty racist name, especially in conjunction with the logo. Super stereotypical. And, you know, you go on from there. Cleveland Indians, et cetera, so on. They've done away with Chief Wahoo, but still they're called the Indians. Um, and, you know, it's like, okay, so Land Lakes had the Native American. At least it was a fairly respectful, like, picture of her. You know what I mean? Like, mm. as opposed to the cartoonish and stereotypical pictures like Chief Wahoo or the Redskins logo, which is like, and then, you know, the name Redskins on top of that. Like, it's it's not great. It's really not great. I would like to point out that they could just remove all imagery from the box and just call it butter because I have no brand loyalty when it comes to butter. Unless or, they give us money, baby. <laughs> no, I appreciate, despite the fact that I fucked it up and you called me on it, I appreciate the O. So let's just change it to Lake's O butter and just make it a lake. <laughs> oh, oh, hang on. Brand loyalty acquired. <laughs> I'm just picturing it flowing down onto popcorn. <laughs> Could you imagine oh, if that was the imaging? Like a Lake O butter, with uh, a gentle river of butter onto some popcorn or some corn. <laughs> or yeah, man, for sure. That just seems like a corner of Willy Wonka's factory over there. Oh man, Gary. Uh, you had this great idea before the show started of uh, what movies we wish we would have seen in theaters. And I, I really do like this. I like this concept. But in order to dive into this topic, I'm going to need you to give me a list of the movies <laughs> that right. I could have seen that so, I did not. <laughs> we are deep into blockbuster season, considering it started no. pretty much sooner and sooner every year based on whatever Marvel wanted to do. Uh, and now it's almost mm. July. We're on our way to July. Um so pretty much, obviously by now, the big tent poles would have been Wonder Woman 84. We could have gotten a James Bond by now. No Time to Die, which had Bond plenty of time to die. To delay too, right? Mm, yes, I think so. but I think that you also... now there's plenty of time to die. <laughs> <laughs> and the Billie Eilish, the tie-in song is good. Um, but they, it yes. seems like they also delayed that on the radio too. Cause I never really heard that on any popular <laughs> music stations. So I'm just really hoping by October, I think it's very good. They, you know, they, I mean, it's much better than the Sam Smith song, which won an Oscar somehow, which is just uh, unbelievable. Did they, did they just like, they delayed the rollout of the Billie Eilish songs that the hype train didn't like lose steam and then have to come back online again. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty sure it was all I think that was released in February or maybe December uh, obviously a few months before the official release but I'm a big Bond guy I know? remember hearing this 
I was, I remember hearing the song two or three times, like uh, that week that it came out. And then, yeah, I guess I haven't heard it since. So we also have some animated movies with onward, which was released digitally. Um, Trolls world tour, which was released digitally and minions, the rise of Gru, which I believe would have been out by now. I don't know. I would say with, and this is kind of one of my news slash nuggets that would have coming in. Tenet finally officially was delayed. I don't remember. Did you see when it's delayed too? I did not. Okay. Well, I guess it doesn't matter because it's not coming back anytime soon. I think it got pushed to to mid August, which is what pushed Wonder Woman even further back. Yeah, they're mm. going to push it again um, because Florida and Texas are currently being consumed by the virus, and it's just mm-hmm. by the time that this episode releases, like. 18 hours from now, it'll be even significantly worse than it was when I last saw a few hours ago. So um, that's, and they're not the only two states. They're just the two biggest and the two most obvious at the moment. Um, We're not getting 10 anytime soon. We're not getting Wonder Woman anytime soon. We're not actually, I mean, AMC can talk about their theaters having masks or not. It doesn't matter because we're not going to any fucking theaters anytime soon. Um, Also, I don't understand why I've never understood why drive-ins have been dying. I know that, the state of New York actually touted a few months ago that they have the most drive-in theaters of any state in the nation. Um, this feels like this is an opportunity. I mean, how long could it really take to set mm. up a drive-in movie theater? Like two weeks, a week and a half. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. I, well, the interesting thing about it is, like, I'm thinking about like the the movie theater that I take you to when you come here. They actually have two walls that are flanked by parking lots, they could actually turn those into two screens. <laughs> this is what I'm saying. Like there is an opportunity here for us to go back and get some driving going on. You need, you need some white paint, a projector and an FM transmitter. Boom. And yeah. Movie theater. <laughs> booth, he lives behind us in his trailer. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I, I'd, I'd be on board for that. My, uh, my choice for the movies that I miss is I'm going to put a, tie between two movies because I desperately wanted to watch Tenet as much as Anthony maybe sure. he slightly wanted more and uh, I'm also super excited for Dune which has yeah, not, I don't Dune? Know whether, it's, whether it's officially been delayed or not. But Timothy it, again, Chalamet as the, the boy that was a hard chill on the front of Chalamet as the main character John Dune Chalamet <laughs> you, you, you're familiar with this material John I've Dune. read all 900 pages <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. This cast looks amazing, though. I mean, sure, it's a movie I would want to see, but yeah, Forget give me Daniel cast, Craig's last James Bond. I mean, come on, let the guy go out. Nobody's seen this thing. They got Freddie Mercury as the villain. What else do you want? I mean, <laughs> aren't you happy now? <laughs> He's oh. gonna play Mark Zuckerberg, and he's there's probably gonna be little spider robots or something, and yeah, just give me it. Wait, can we get that? Can, can we get the facial scarring with that weird fractured mask, but also the long wig that he wore as Freddie Mercury? Because <laughs> that would be just incredible. <laughs> nice, nice. Yeah, yeah. Obviously, for me, it's Tenet. Um, there, there would be no question about it. Um, but if we're talking about movies that should have been out already, I would sure probably get on board with with No Time Tenet? to Die. Yeah, like Am I least, sure about it? Are we sure? Uh, oh, yeah. We're sure. Wait, we <laughs> we're sure so sure. Or are we sure. I'm just that, like, asking. Yeah. 
I mean, there's no, in my mind, there's no question. I don't know. I understand why you wouldn't question it, but based on the trailer, I mean, just looks like Inception, but shot worse somehow with more abstract Uh, ideas. It kind of feels like a lower budget. Okay, you're you're, you're only selling me on it more. I don't know. (laughs) Gary, when we're talking about abstract ideas and selling us more on a movie that you're unsold on, I'm going to really need you to listen to today's Levitar because they talked, they went down a rabbit hole with Rutger Hauer and the movie was in like eight years ago, Hobo with a Shotgun. Mm. And they decided to start digging up reviews and all of them were god off. And yet somehow they were all more and more intrigued by this terrible sounding movie. Um, but anyway, yeah, no, I mean, I think there's just some recency bias. Maybe it's because there's been a while since there's been like a Nolan Nolan movie. Cause Dunkirk feels like an outlier because it was like historical fiction. Um, yeah, it just feels like a movie a director makes. You know, throughout his like Spielberg. Well, I think all movies are movie. ones that directors make, but oh my god! <laughs> 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 but anyway, it's been a while since we had a true blue Nolan trailer for a true blue Nolan movie. Like sure. it's been since Interstellar, which is what five or six years now. So I feel yeah. like maybe we just aren't we don't remember what Nolan movies are like. Like Nolan trailers. Are- well, if they're anything like Interstellar. Oh, wow. <laughs> oh, oh! Are you one of those people that's wrong about Interstellar? It sucks. <laughs> oh, oh no! Wow. Oh man, I'm glad we didn't have you on that episode. I would, <laughs> I would have just been pissed the whole time. Oh. We, had, we had Caleb on for that episode. That it's one was... stupid. Oh. oh no, no, no! Moving on. I moving mean, Tars on. rules, but I mean, well, Tars does rule. Exactly. We could all agree on that. <laughs> Um, oh man but uh no i love that movie anthony loved that movie caleb loved that movie we had a great episode also. yeah yeah that's uh that's a few back now right we got that's about six episodes ago or so At maybe least, five. yeah yeah so you can look if you haven't listened to that one please tune in uh al you have other news yeah um let's you know what it's not quite reckless at least not on our but i have some room did you just say reckless speculation? Yeah. Should we play the music? It's wild speculation. Oh, it's a term that you yourself coined. <laughs> I know. Wild speculation. Speculation. Lation. Lation. <laughs> I mean, I feel like they could be used kind of interchangeably, but sure. fair is fair. So this is on LRM Online. And no, I don't know what that is. <laughs> nice. And I worked a couple 14 days hour days in a row, so I didn't have time to look them up, because I fell asleep halfway through an episode of Billions Left. Um, so Star Wars, colon, Game of Thrones-like series of shows planned for Disney+. Plus. This is from LRM's Barside Buzz. This was came out, like I think, yesterday or the day before. If you're a Star Wars fan, today's news has been a bag of mixed emotion. First, we got the reveal trailer for the newest Star Wars game, Squadrons, which I'm equally pumped, sorry, which I'm really pumped for. Then we all were hit with the expected but sucky news that Star Wars Celebration has been canceled. Now let me drop some more news out there for you from my source at Lucasfilm. Lucasfilm and Disney Plus are going all in on making sure that subscribers constantly have new Star Wars content all the time. The plan is starting mid-2021 to have a Star Wars show releasing every quarter. Jesus Christ! (laughs) According to my source at Lucasfilm... The plan is to create a universe where all the shows will be connected with a central storyline. One big inspiration was the popular Game of Thrones series. I know it's a weird comparison, but let me explain. 
instead of making one epic Game of Thrones like show, it'd be like if each family had their own show with a central storyline that spills over into the others. The shows will be overseen by none other than Dave Filoni, who successfully adapted Star Wars to the small screen starting with Clone Wars, Rebels, and The Mandalorian. We all knew they were grooming Filoni for big things, and this suite of shows is exactly what it was. Below is the initial lineup of live-action shows that Lucasfilm Lucasfilm plans to have together. The Mandalorian, the Ahsoka Tano's show, which... There, that had actually been quite heavily rumored at the time that she was announced mm-hmm. as being as joining the Mandalorian season two. Right, a Boba Fett show, an Ezra Bridger slash Grand Admiral Thrawn show. Yes, <laughs> did you never finish Rebels? Though, did you? I didn't, but that uh, that Thrawn book got me excited for more of him. <laughs> uh, a new character show, which. They haven't said what the character is yet. Uh, I know some of you noticed that the Obi-Wan Kenobi series is not a part of this list. That's because this series will be a one-off that will exist off on its own. Which, you know, when you just do the math on the timelines, that obviously makes sense. While this wasn't explicitly mentioned by the source, I would assume the Cassian Andor series is the same. Again, died well before the events of The Mandalorian. Um, Sure. There will be some shows that connect to this great new Filoni-driven vision and some that don't. But that's not all. I have some more information about the Star Wars, future of Star Wars that I'll be sharing later this week. So apparently we need to look out for that as well, because I don't know what that is. Wait, I'm sorry. I feel like you started that story off with that it was bittersweet. What was uh, what was No, the bad was that Star Wars celebration this year's canceled. Oh god, yeah, I don't really care. Um just uh, it really it doesn't affect me at all. Uh it's it's the, the that's insane. That's a crazy concept, and I really appreciate that. Also, like I would I would be happy with taking a full year break. And then getting just hammered over the head with Star Wars content. <laughs> like, no. I'm all for it. It seems, Stop obviously, it. what's up? <laughs> it's too much. I mean, that's not what Star Wars is. <laughs> Star Wars is a movie that you love or you hate. And that's what Star Wars is to everyone. The Mandalorian. No, no, is a that's very what a non-Star Wars fan would say. What are you talking about? I love Gary, that's Star Wars. Star Wars was. <laughs> <laughs> this is what this is what Star Wars is. Ah. Uh, anyway, I mean, <laughs> it's just it, it all connects, and so I have to have Disney Plus to like Star Wars now. Like, I just. Just give me a theatrical release. My, my point was, I was, was going to say, I'm already giving you my money. I will actually give you more for this. I'm, I, I would be fine no. just paying for the Star Wars content alone. Give us Star Wars Plus. Star Wars Plus. <laughs> yes. Star Wars Max. What yeah. is this? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I don't know if you guys watched last week tonight, but John Oliver has been ripping into HBO Max, which is really funny since he's on HBO. <laughs> you know, you want to talk about depoliticizing things. HBO Max has been the, the common thing that all of us, no matter what political leanings you have, can all come together to criticize and destroy. <laughs> Amidst the sea of protests and everything going on, there's definitely some person with a sign asking what it is. <laughs> they don't even know what it is. How can we? I'm a Comcast subscriber and I can't get it. I have, I have HBO on cable and it says I don't count. You don't count. Let me tell you guys a quick anecdote about watching this week's movie, The Dark Knight Rises. So as we know, Dark Knight, Dark Knight Rises, all of DC is Warner branded, right? And I said, oh, sure. well, HBO Max is actually Warner Max. So let me see if it's on there. I can watch it for free easily. 
So let me try and sign in because I have DirecTV and I've been told that if you have HBO through DirecTV, you have HBO Max. Great. I go to log in. It says, use your sign-in credentials. I use them. It says, okay, now we need you. I was trying to do this on my TV. Um, Now we need you to go on a phone or computer and kick back the authorization code to the TV. Fair enough. So I go over on my phone, go to sign in again. I'm sorry, we can't do that right now. That's yes. what I was told. Not, you don't have it. Not, yep. check back at this time. Not, call this person. We just can't do that right now. Yep. What Solid. the fuck? Yeah. So then yeah, I checked every other service that I have. I checked Amazon Prime. I'm not renting. What's it called? I checked Netflix. I checked HBO proper. I checked DirecTV just to see if it was like on demand. The only thing I could have done was to pay for it. And I, then I considered, you know, for some reason it's clicking in my head that I've seen something about this deep within Damien's Plex. <laughs> he has the Christopher Nolan collection. Sure. Which is subdivided into all of the different... Dude, I'll, I'll give you a copy of The Dark Knight Rises. I've got three to four of them. <laughs> wow. Well, I have a copy on DVD. Not Blu-ray, DVD. And I wasn't going to do that, so... This is the, uh, what I have here is yes. the Nolan collection, which is both all the movies in 4K and all of the movies in Blu-ray. Which, no. uh, so there's two copies of it right there. It then, seems so expensive. Then I have the, uh, I have the, the broken cowl version. <laughs> yeah, I forgot he has the broken cowl. Of the Dark Knight Rises. rules. <laughs> oh man. And I also have the, uh, I have the steel book as well. Because, you know, why not? <laughs> well, ultimately, you know, I, I was satisfied in finding that I could stream it in 4K from the sure. Plex. And for the first time in the last, like, 18 times I used Plex, it didn't break down and buffer every eight to nine minutes. That's cool. Um, because that happens a lot. Sure. Specifically when I watch stuff on your Plex, actually. And it's yeah. a very regular eight to nine minutes. It's always the almost exact same bucket of time. and. It's actually not that big of a deal because every eight or nine minutes, if it takes me eight seconds to turn it back, to turn it off, turn it back on, I'll survive that. The problem is when it happens in the final segment of the movie. Sure. I'm trying to get to the point to be ready to put my thoughts down so we can, you know, do the show. And I don't know how the movie ends because it dies with like four minutes left in the movie and I can't Mm -hmm. get it to start at the exact right time because it keeps dying. Yeah, and it, the, like, I mean, skips ahead time. That more has to do with my Plex media server being optimized for me, not for you. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't run into this issue when I watch it on Damien's. Yeah, so. yeah. Well, he he definitely has overkilled his. So there's that. But the fact that you don't own this movie is a flaw. No, I own it on DVD. Oh, oh, you just want to watch it in DVD? Yes, I own Batman Begins. DVD. <laughs> Batman <laughs> Begins in Blu-ray. On Betamax? <laughs> Dark Knight on Blu-ray. I own Dark Knight Rises on DVD. Why? Because I didn't make the purchase that time. Who in your family is that flawed? It's <laughs> cheaper. It's fine. You own the movie. That's all that matters. Shot on film. Shot. Yeah, it's useless. I don't want to watch it on a track <laughs> I would listen to this movie on a track <laughs> Can't even get it on hi-fi? Like, holy shit. Oh, man. <laughs> Um, what are we watching? What's everybody watching? Gary, what are you watching? 
So on H, I'm a big HBO guy, regardless. Even though I can't get Friends that I don't want to watch. Um, <laughs> there's a there's a newer series called Betty uh, on HBO. That's like a 30 minute comedy. Um, it's pretty much focused on lesbians that live on in New York City, uh, and they do a lot of skateboarding. They're younger. And they just get into shenanigans. Uh, there are more serious storylines along the way as well, um, as these women go through issues that, you know, um, lesbian women go through through prejudice and stuff like that as well. But I mean, for the most part, they mostly just want to chill and smoke weed vape pens like everybody else and skateboard. So, um, yeah, it's certainly a different point of view for somebody like me, but you know, um, usually HBO content, original content is very good. And I'm always diggity down for a different story. I agree that HBO content is quite often excellent. I am really caught up on the specificity of the point of view of pothead skateboarding lesbians, right? It's a great show. You guys should check it out right now. I'm caught up on your commitment to diggity down. (laughs) (laughs) I just, yeah, no, it's it's in no way, shape, or form a knock at all. Um, I just, that is such a specific niche. That's the show. Skateboarding lesbians is such a specific subgroup of human beings. Like, there's got to be, what, 18 of them in the country? Like, a whole 18. Well, there's only four of them in the show, but I'm sure there's many based on populations that's accurate and adequate to whoever's standards. 37. <laughs> Al, what are you watching? Um, well, I fell asleep watching last week's this week's Billions last night. Um, yeah, I watched, I watched two episodes in a row because I'd fallen behind the week before. I uh, still love that show so much. Gonna get, I swear to God, I'm gonna get to finishing that episode. Just not tonight because I'm gonna get five hours of sleep tonight. Um, maybe not even that. But regardless, Billions great as always, uh, or I'll say entertaining as always. Because mm-hmm. I feel like I feel like that's a a more accurate reflection. I have said that it's not necessarily a great show in the sense of like prestige and quality and all that, yeah. but at the end of every hour, I have been properly entertained. Um, what is unquestionably great, especially this season, is what we do in the shadows. I finally got to watch last week's finale. I have to say, you know, maybe the last two episodes of the season, while good, were a step down from just. Every week, fucking nailing it, nailing it. Oh, that's nailing a shame. This season. No, again, good, just not the same level of great. That they had raised the bar too high prior to those episodes. Yes, um, and Fair so enough. the finale was, you know, it was fine. Like it was, it was, it was good. It was interesting. Little premise. I won't say it because I know you started picking up with it in yeah. the first season. Um, but the final five minutes of the finale, gold, tre- tremendous. Uh, I which, like that. In which, you know, and. They're not necessarily big on the action in the show. There's a couple little sequences, especially considering they make a very pointed choice of making most of their stunts look as awful as possible on purpose sure. by sure. design, which is, is, is really a tremendous thing because it's a win-win. You get to save a ton of money and also generate laughs. So, I mean, it's, it's a brilliant, you know, they're cornering the market on that. But, you know, there's a scene that I can only describe as a sea level budget vampire slaying version of the church scene from um, Kingsman. 
Huh. Oh boy. Um, minus the perfect accompaniment soundtrack to it, but still, um, is it, it reminded me of that scene very much. Mm-hmm. And in the final ninety seconds, like I just totally lost it, like with the with laughter because. I, I can't say what happened because it spoils what happens at the end of the first season, and I know you're not there sure. yet. Mm-hmm. And this season ends with, after all of it, it literally was just... <laughs> I'll, I'll give you the, the final line. Um, Nandor asks Guillermo if there's something that he hasn't been telling him. Mm-hmm. And so I'll cl- I call back to earlier in the episode in which all four of them, Nandor, Nadja, Laszlo, and Colin Robinson, have admitted that none of them knows Guillermo's last name. Yeah. They, they all try to guess. It's actually, that's actually one of, before the end was one of the best parts of the episode. Nandor goes, because they asked Colin Robinson to look him up online, and he says, okay, what's his last name? And he goes, Goldberg? Or Greenberg? I think it was something like that. <laughs> Nadja goes, Biermo? Guillermo Biermo? Okay. <laughs> and Laszlo goes, are we entirely sure that Guillermo is not his last name? <laughs> he goes, so then what's his first name? He goes, Mickey? <laughs> he goes, just put in Guillermo online and see what comes up. And he goes, okay, there's over 5,000 Guillermos in the metropolitan area of New York, including four Mickey Guillermos. <laughs> so at the end, he says, you know, Nandor asks if there's anything that he hasn't been telling them. And Guillermo goes, my name is... Guillermo de la Cruz. <laughs> and Nandor goes, I don't give a fuck what your name is. You made me get my own dry cleaning. <laughs> and it just cuts and that's the end of the season. Oh, that's great. That, that, that show is very silly. I, uh, I'm looking forward to, to get, getting into more of that. I actually, um, I have been watching, I, I had fallen a few weeks behind on last week tonight, so I caught up on that. And I have been watching... Still watching Lucifer. I'm actually rapidly, rapidly approaching the end of that series, uh, really? which uh, just having a blast with it. It's so silly. Wait, L- Lucifer usurped Scrubs and oh, no. other Sh- things you're watching? Scrubs, Scrubs is still being watched. I actually was uh, moments before the show hit by the Scrubs truck, is how I like to call it. No. It's when that's when Scrubs is such a good show and so funny and has you laughing and then just does something that rips your insides out. <laughs> Uh, uh, the final episode with Jordan's brother. <laughs> oh, it's heavy, and it was a little too heavy for tonight. <laughs> Not as a, I mean, talk about hit by the scrub truck. That's pro- maybe one of the quintessential examples of it because that that line at the end when JD asks him, "Where do you think you are?" Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. It's it's very heavy. Uh, very very well executed. Maybe one of the best episodes of television that I've seen, huh. but it's yeah. like, it, yeah, it was a, it's, the, the, it's the really well done. That's that. better than Epiphany Toilet. Wait, what? The Epiphany Toilet, the Michael J. Fox episode. Yeah. Oh, it's, it's, it's better than that. <laughs> the Epiphany, I forgot about that. Actually. <laughs> See, my, my, I think my personal best episode of Scrubs is, um, wait, what season are you in, Anthony? Uh, I think it's season three. Did you see the one with the rabies? <laughs> you would know. No, it's another, it's another Scrubs truck episode. Oh, okay. Uh, you would know because that yeah, episode no. to me is the the shining example of both the Scrubs truck and also 
probably the best, my personal favorite episode of the show. Which nice. is the episode where they end it with the guy singing Overkill. <laughs> that was, was the beginning of it. I think that was the second season's premiere, yeah. right? Ah. Uh, yeah. yeah, Colin Hay singing Overkill. You know I have other songs, right? <laughs> During the whole episode. So that's, that is, it's a great episode. Very well executed. Um, cool. Uh, any other news and nuggets before we get into fun and games? Um, let, me, let me just check here. I don't believe so. Well, then let's do it. Gentlemen, I have some options for you today. Oh. I have a I have a buffet-style fun and games course. Uh, you could do which Batman villain are you, which I think we've done on some episode, but it's hard to remember at this point. Which Batman character are you? Batman character's personality quiz, which I'm pretty sure is a similar quiz. Hmm. And then I also have just a, a, an actual trivia for the Nolan trilogy. Wow, let's do trilogy. Let's go trilogy trivia. Seconded. Okay, cool. So, um, what we're gonna do for this because I have no interest in keeping uh, two versions of this going at the same time is you two will have to agree on an answer, and then we'll see combined what percentage you get. Deal. All right. So, it's a twenty question quiz, and here we are. This is awesome. How, how old does Bruce Wayne turn in Batman Begins? Oh, 32, Christ. 31, 30, 29. By the end of the movie? Well, he has a birthday at the end. Okay, so 31? Let's go with 31. 31? Moving on. Which language did Ken Watanabe yep, speak during Batman Begins? Japanese, Tibetan, Urdu, it wasn't a real language. I'm going to assume Tibetan, despite the fact that he's Japanese. Works for me, Al. Okay. Which character did Heath Ledger audition for before playing the Joker? Oh, yes. it was Crane, wasn't it? Scarecrow, Bane, Two-Face, or Batman? Scarecrow works for me. Oh, wait, no, 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 no. Is it Batman? Oh, did uh, we lap that? I've, al- I've already selected your answer. So <laughs> far, I'm pretty sure you guys are 0 for 3. Oh, no. How many, <laughs> how many days did Batman Begins shoot for? 134, 132, 129, 126. This, this is, is a, like this, a real quiz. Th- what this the isn't fuck even is that? <laughs> Why would I know that? <laughs> Does Christopher Nolan know the answer to that? <laughs> He's just inside the computer. They're, those options are also like way too close to each other. I, yeah, it's total bullshit. 136, baby. That wasn't one of the options. <laughs> <laughs> 134. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. All right. Which Game of Thrones actor had a role in Batman Begins? Uh, is it Ian, Lane, Glenn, Harry Lloyd, Jack Gleason, or Kit Harrington? Jack Gleason. Jack Gleason. Yeah. King Joffrey is the little kid who gets his little, his, he gets his thing. With He's, his yeah. He son. gets a close up. Yeah. Which country does Batman go to to capture Lao? Vietnam, Japan, South Korea, China? China. China. The Chinese will not extradite a national. That's right. I go to Hong Kong. What's the name of the mobster that the Joker killed? Oh my God! The, this okay. This just to be if if when I when I get thrown off, this is one of those websites that has ads and images that oh. are really big that load in too late and make the entire page jump around. Oh, so yeah, it's not great. What's the name of the mobster that the Joker killed in the Dark Knight? Gambit, gamble, gambo, game. Gamble. Okay. How does Rachel Dawes die? Explosion, stabbing, shot, torture. 
<laughs> Recasting. No. <it's> <laughs> oh man, so true. What's the name of the Gotham's? Uh, what's the name of Gotham's American football team? Gotham. Okay, come on, goddamn website. Gotham Giants, Gotham Pelicans, Gotham Bats, Gotham Rogues. Giants. Was it the Giants? It's either Giants or Rogues. Yeah. I mean, let's go with Giants. I, I, I should remember that. We just did watch the movie the other day. <laughs> In all three movies, which character is the last person to speak to Batman? Alfred, Lucius, Jim. Alfred is on here twice. <laughs> That's so confusing. The answer is Jim. <laughs> If it's Alfred, is it Alfred one or Alfred two? <laughs> you gotta do the, you gotta do the SAT prep uh, thing. You know, the, you gotta eliminate the two answers that are very closely alike, or directly the opposite. Yeah. Right. Which composer left the Dark Knight trilogy following the Dark Knight? James and Newton Howard. Hans Zimmer. Danny Elfman. John Williams. James Horner. <laughs> wait. Oh, sorry. Oh wait. So they're saying after the original movies. Uh, it says, which composer left the Dark Knight trilogy following the Dark Knight? But the Zimmer did them all. Yeah. yeah. I'm assuming that maybe somebody collaborated. Okay, can we get the names again? Sure. James Newton Howard, Danny Elfman, John Williams, James Horner. Well, it's not Williams or Elfman. because Let's go A. Okay. Elfman did the original ones. Which villain has appeared in each film? The Scarecrow, Bane... Ra's al Ghul, Two-Face. Cillian Murphy, baby. <laughs> Shivering soldier it is. What country did Bane abduct Dr. Leonard Pavel from? Afghanistan, Uzbekistan, Iran, or Japan? Iran. It's Uzbekistan. Oh, it's Uzbekistan. <laughs> the, the inmates in the Dark Knight Rises chant, Deshi Vasara. What does it mean? Rise. Chaos? Fear, rise, destroy. Rise. Which of these legendary veteran actors did have a role in Batman Begins? Oh my god, the sight. Matthew Modine, Rutger Hauer, Ron Dean, Eric Roberts. Eric Roberts. In, no, in Begins? In Batman Begins, yeah. That's Rutger Hauer. Did, right? What's that? Did have a role? Yeah, Did. Ruck, Rucker Hauer was the this like the CEO when he comes back and he's trying to fuck him out of. Oh, so Eric Roberts is just in the Dark Knight. Dark, Dark Knight. Knight. Oh, okay, yeah. What is the name of Bane's army in the Dark Knight Rises? The League of Shadows, the League of Killers, the League of Legends, <laughs> Justice League. The <laughs> <laughs> League of Shadows. <laughs> Which one is the longest movie out of the trilogy? Oh, God, it's got to be Dark Knight Rises. It's Rises. Which punk rock legend had a role as an extra in The Dark Knight? Matt Skiba, Travis Barker, Tom DeLong, Mark Hoppus. Fuck. I don't I know. I believe you could use your SAT prep tool here. Yeah, I was going to say, I'm going <laughs> to eliminate the Blink-182 people. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I, I didn't even think about that. <laughs> All right. What is the name of Joseph Gordon-Levitt's character in The Dark Knight Rises? Dick. Ja- <laughs> Harvey Dent, Peter Foley, Bill Wilson, John Blake. John Blake, baby. <laughs> Dick. <laughs> Dick Grayson. What, what comic book convinced Christian Bale that he wanted to play Batman? No Man's Land, Batman Year One, Arkham Asylum, The Killing Joke. Year One. 
Sure, I have no idea. How old does Bruce Wayne turn in Batman Begins? <laughs> I don't know why. I, I, yeah, it. I don't know. It's it's it, you guys. It's thirty two, thirty one, thirty or twenty nine. What did you say? Thirty one. We said thirty one. All right. You scored seventy percent. Yeah. All right. So let's Not see where we are. Uh, which language did Ken Watanabe speak in during Batman Begins? Uh, you guys said Tibetan. It was not a real language. Fair. Um, which character did Heath Ledger audition for before playing the Joker? It was Batman, not Scarecrow. Yeah. How many days did Batman begin shoot for? It was 129, not 134. Oh, fuck. Yeah. <laughs> You're the worst. What is the name of Gotham American football team? It is the Gotham Rogues. Ah, shit. Uh, scrolling, scrolling, scrolling. So far, so good. What comic book convinced Christian Bale that he wanted to play Batman? It says Arkham Asylum is the answer, though I'm fairly certain that that comic book came out after the movies, but... <laughs> Seems wrong, but... Uh, how old Bale. does Bruce Wayne turn in Batman Begins? The answer is 30. Oh. And there you go, but you got 70% as a team. Not bad. Good job, good job, good job. Uh, with that being said, let's get into our flick of the week. The Dark Knight Rises, released in 2012, rated PG-13 at a two-hour and 44-goddamn-minute runtime. Eight years after the Joker's reign of anarchy, Batman, with the help of the enigmatic Catwoman, is forced from his exile to save Gotham City from the brutal guerrilla terrorist Bane. Uh, that's your IMDb synopsis. I, w- I wish somebody had like just stopped writing and they just said, from the brutal guerrilla. <laughs> 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 that would have been a tremendous synopsis. Uh, before we dive into the movie we've each grabbed another drink and i would like to go around the table and ask what you're all drinking uh i mean before i had a I was sipping on a angry orchard crisp apple now i have a london kugel's summer shandy okay all right huh. a little sweet treat a little sweet treat action gary what about you i have dennis hill estate saison from norbrook farm brewery that's <laughs> <laughs> just the Basinger? longest name ever now, I'm not saying that you guys are failing me here, but what I have is a Fernie Branca. Oh, no. What are you doing? <laughs> oh, so, Gary, the funny thing is, this is months in the making because he mentioned something about Fernie Branca to me. And then, like, three days later, he sent me a picture of the front of a <laughs> bottle of Fernie Branca. So, yeah. yeah, I got it. I actually got it for my birthday. And, man, I really like it. <laughs> okay. It's- so, what is it exactly? It's like a, it's a digestive and it's like, um, it's a bitter, uh, it's like a, just a little kind of cordial that you would drink, but it's, uh, it's got a lot, a lot of aromatics and a very heavy cardamom flavor in it. I would not be able to pick out the flavor of cardamom. Well, I will. I will. Next time you're in around, I will. I will give you some. What? I really, I really like it. <laughs> what is Don't the, what is ever the... give me any of that. <laughs> <laughs> What is the base of a Ferdy Branca? Like, is it a, is similar? To, is like a liqueur based on something, or is it just totally its own thing? Or? I think it's it's totally its own thing. Um, why? Well, like, so, like, what is it made from? Um, I couldn't tell you everything that's in it because I don't have the bottle in front of me. But I, I mean, will like, say, what's, what's like the base that the spirit is like? From oh, I don't, I don't know. It's a liqueur. I, I mean, I don't God know what the base is. Well, because like, okay, so like, if you have. Say Drambuie, it's a liqueur. It's a liqueur based off of Scotch whiskey. Like, 
Irish sure. Mist is a base off of like Irish whiskey. So I was just wondering what this was. Like, Fernet I- is an Italian type of Amaro, a bitter aromatic spirit. Fernet is made from a number of herbs and spices, which vary accordingly to the brand, but usually includes myrrh, rhubarb, chamomile, cardamom, aloe, and especially saffron. You're with a base myrrh? with with a base of grape distilled spirits. That's what I was looking so for. So like a grappa base, I guess, of some kind. Yes. Um, also have a bottle of grappa that I really like. <laughs> I think I've had one very small sip of grappa one time, and I, I can't even recall what it tastes like. Um, getting back to the movie. Uh, <laughs> that we I haven't don't know. started. I like the Fernie Branca uh, and, uh, and Grappa talk. So. I would like to start off with our tweet length reviews. Gary, I, I didn't actually check with you beforehand to see if you had one. Oof. Oh, gee. I won't make you go first if That's you're not true. ready. I'll let Al go and then Christian I'll go. Christian Bale then... gives his best performance as Bruce Wayne in Batman while tackling Bane. Okay. All right. And what's your what's your score out of ten? Eight. Eight. Okay. Eight. Al, what about you? Okay. Um. Sorry. I was trying to record his. <sighs> Fuck! I forgot how long this movie is. Somehow, simultaneously, nothing happens, and entirely too much happens across most of this movie. Oh. Great action set pieces don't outweigh the bloated and disjointed plot. What are you talking about? All right. So we're we're clearly going to get into this movie. So mine says. This far too often maligned final installment of the Christopher Nolan Batman trilogy leans heavier into its comic book origins for the run of its story while diving deeper into the characters and their emotional states than its more grounded predecessors. Nine out of ten. I'm a huge fan of this movie. I actually was talking to Gary before the show started that I, um, I've i seen this movie far too many times. Uh, we, I actually saw it uh, like somewhere between f- like, like four and six times in theaters. Okay. Oh, did you? Uh, I, I, I yeah. didn't tell it more than once. I didn't know. It was I saw much. it a like, lot. But before we go into it, um, tell Gary about the experience because I know we've talked about it on the show a few <laughs> times. But so I don't think Gary knows about our specific. The first viewing of The Dark Knight Rises in for theater. us was yeah in theaters was at an IMAX and it was in a whole day affair and it started with Batman Begins, no. The Dark Knight, leading into the midnight release of yes. The Dark Knight Rises, and it was amazing. <laughs> it was so, so cool. Good, and then I saw it like two more times in other theaters, and then I saw it on the like on the dome of the Liberty Science Center, and then I, I saw it again. <laughs> uh, the Liberty Science Center one was a little a little too much. It was it was it's a very big screen. It's it's very in your face, <laughs> but uh, it was it was quite the treat. And I will say that during the, uh, the after that, having seen it that many times, towards the end of that initial run. It dipped for me, and then every time since then that I've watched it, I've appreciated it more and more. It's funny, because from my perspective, and I did very much enjoy, despite how ridiculous that... I mean, I think I worked like a full day in like White Plains and then drove down to meet them in New Jersey for like... I want to say it was a 7 o'clock start to Batman Begins. I barely made it in. Which is fine. We watched. Well, they were there like an hour early. Well, because it, it was at a, it was like at a mall, so like they were there like a while early actually. Yeah. Um. So I met them. We sat down. We watched Batman Begins. Forty-five minute break. You know, bathroom concessions. They did some trivia. Yeah. Dark, Dark Knight again. Forty-five minute break. Bathroom concessions. Trivia. Some hype. Some hype, hype. action. Lots of hype. 
And then we watched the movie. And then I think pouring rain, also 95 degrees in my air conditioning wasn't working. We drove Yeah, oh, the- it was just a fog show on the way home. It was we ridiculous. We drove across the Gothels Bridge to your parents' house. <laughs> yeah, and all I heard was the Zimmer theme as I was driving. Uh, it, it's, yeah, man, I had, that was... That experience was amazing from one getting to see just this insane trilogy that uh, I hold so near and dear to my heart to the fact that we have like these special lanyards and you were able yes. to go in and out of the theater, which I really liked. We also had uh, it was like unlimited popcorn and soda, because if you get the large, you can refill them. You never actually refill them during a normal showing. But when, you're, but when you're in the movie movies. theater for three movies, you refill it constantly. <laughs> uh, and then somewhere after the Dark Knight, we took a we took that break. We went to the parking lot and we just had heroes that I brought from the pizzeria. <laughs> oh yeah, that's right. You brought like 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 foot long like Italian combos. Oh yeah, it was great. It was it was quite the treat. Uh, um, the fact that we all stayed awake was a miracle. Yes. Um, and I did, I loved that experience and I really enjoyed watching the movie that time. Mm-hmm. Um, t- to be fair, I think I've only watched this movie start to finish. Let's call it four or five times. Jesus. Okay. And, but I've seen significant sections of it multiple times, like on top of that. Each time I've watched it and it's been a progressive thing where like the second time I watched it. I still really enjoyed it, mm-hmm. but on each successive viewing, each the, each time I think about it more, and it's, it's been a couple of years since I've watched the whole thing, actually. So sit, sitting down to watch the whole thing the other day, there are a lot of problems with Come this on. movie. And like some of it is hyperbole, like and you see the jokes about it online, but some of it is true. And some of it is like, is even I'll file under the category of good, bad, where it's like, that's not very good, but there's entertainment value to be derived from it. Like, so it's going to sound like I'm complaining about this movie a lot. While we talk about this, I still would say that the movie is enjoyable. It's just not good. Come on. Yeah, that, I will completely disagree with you on that, but we will get into specifics. I'm actually, I am, I am excited to dive deeper to hear what you have to say. Uh, I do. I, I missed what your number score was unless I cut you off before. No, I just kind of, I went straight from tweet length into grade. It's 5.5 out of 10. Okay. Um, Gary, where do you stand on rating on ranking the three movies? Are you a two, three, one? Are you a three, two, one? I'm pretty borderline, man. I'm I could be a three, two, one. I'm just yeah. it's so fucking scary to say and admit that because everybody's just like, you know, the Joker and Heath Ledger this. And I mean, I, I agree sure. with Al about parts of these movies being bloated and stuff like that, but for me it's the Hong Kong visit and Dark Knight that keep let, makes that less rewatchable. Even with the shorter runtime, I mm. mean, most of the scenes in this movie keep your attention. I feel like it's the most schlocky movie Chris Nolan has ever made and he'll ever make. I mean, this is a gift. Yeah. This is a high art director pretty much doing like um, one of the 90s Batman movies. I mean, if you actually just describe this movie to somebody instead of just showing it to them, it's like, well, Bane, he has a plane and he docks another plane and he tells the CIA pretty much exactly <laughs> what he's going to do while he does it. And they still can't stop. Yep. It. And, and that plane falls out of the sky. And Catwoman <laughs> is um, at Bruce Wayne's party. 
and Alfred just lets her go upstairs for some reason. And then she (laughs) steals uh, (laughs) Bruce Wayne's dead mom's pearls. So Bruce Wayne tracks her to some party and Talia al Ghul is just there the whole time, and she shows up at every one of these parties trying to talk to Bruce Wayne in a very obvious plot, which he <laughs> ignores. Well, he actually just keeps chasing Bane, who has all of his attention and has all of the police attention. <laughs> Eventually traps them uh, under the subway for three months. I mean, this is ridiculous. This is a ridiculous movie that shouldn't work and it works. Bane robs Wall Street, and the police just say, mm-hmm. nah, fuck this guy. Let's chase Batman, even though this guy yep. just robbed all of Wall Street. I, it's insane, but it awesome. is. It's crazy. It, it's, the, it's the most comic booky of the trilogy, uh, but it's not, it's not a problem. I, no. think it's, I think it works really well. I actually think that uh, it's almost more imaginative than the other movies because it's get, it leans into some of that stuff and it allow it's it's telling you to just kind of take certain things at face value because like as far as you know i he's been trying to ground the series the whole time but it is still batman we could still yeah. have a little fun with it this, and they and he does everyone's having so much fucking fun in this movie like fucking christian bale <laughs> this is his best performance because he doesn't care anymore he gets to play older bruce wayne and they give him a robot leg <laughs> Wait, was, he, was he having fun or was he just not giving a shit because those okay i understand things. how you could like get that from the performance but like it's what 40 45 year old bruce wayne that he's per- portraying that's kind of semi-retired that doesn't give a shit so to me that's good acting yeah but the the problem is there's scenes that are serious where he doesn't give a shit like when he's doing the like he's re-entering the world thing and he's doing actually there's even a line right where I think where, where uh, Talia says you have this practice apathy about you where, and like he's doing that as Bruce Wayne re-entering social life. And it's like, I think it's totally within the rights of the character to do that in those sequences. It actually fits really well with a, I'm putting the mask back on to be Bruce Wayne again. Um, and the mask, but like, I'm not really checking to make sure the mask fits my face well that you can, like, you can't see me behind it. Sure. Um, so I'm totally on board with that. The problem is there's other sequences that are like serious where like, I'm supposed to believe that he's all in, that Bruce is all in. And I don't No, you're not supposed to believe that he's all in because no. the problem, what you're dealing with here is Eight years have lapped, and all of our heroes are super jaded and super fried based on the crazy decisions that they've had to make that led them to this point. They're all so damaged at this point that they are, to some degree, they're burnt out. And like Bruce is, uh, I mean, Alfred says it better, where he's, you know, he said, uh, you're, Bruce says, you're afraid if I go out there, I'll fail. And Alfred says, I'm afraid you want to. That's, that's he's playing that character perfectly. Yeah, but see, like that exact scene though is what I'm talking about. Where when I first saw the movie, that scene hurt me a little bit because I was like, "Oh man, this relationship's breaking." But watching it again now with like the foreknowledge of what happens and everything, like Michael Caine acts his ass off in that scene, and yeah, and and Christian Bale does not. I disagree. Don't, I don't buy. Here's- 
I don't know. Holy disagree. Christian Bale, uh, uh, Bruce Wayne doesn't have any of the context. Well, even... I would say, I would argue that he's acting on par or better. (laughs) No, because Alfred gives him, he literally gives him the context, and Christian Bale was just reading the lines. I don't think context or rhetoric is even important, like, in any aspect. It's just about being, like, an icon as Batman. So, like, Michael Keaton, you just think about Michael Keaton, like, abstractly. Like, somebody says Batman 89, and whatever scene pops into your Mm -hmm. head, pops into your head. Like, if somebody says Batman forever, like... (laughs) You want to get nuts! (laughs) Yes, that's the scene that everyone thinks about. (laughs) But, like, when I think about Christian Bale as Batman, or, I mean, I guess, no, as Bruce Wayne... I would think about him from this movie more so. I think the tonal issues are more in The Dark Knight, actually. I think that's the most erratic Batman where he doesn't know who he wants to be. When it goes from him being super serious about Rachel and being really sad all the time. But they don't go into it. And the next scene, he's with the models buying the hotel or buying the yacht, even. It's just... I mean, this is the most cohesive Batman and Bruce Wayne we get throughout one movie. You understand who he is the entire time. And maybe that's because it's a more lived-in universe, and this is the team that's come back for the third movie. But in Batman Begins, maybe that's part of the character development. He changes over time, sure. But in this, the third and final movie in the trilogy... He's Bruce Wayne, and he's Batman consistently the whole time. I feel it's the same character from beginning. See, I to don't. End. I would say I don't have a problem with any of the writing of the character in any of the movies, and actually, like even in, in this one, while maybe I don't necessarily view it as as strong as the first two, I don't have an issue. Like you mentioned, tonal. I don't have an issue with tone. I don't have an issue with the way the character is written. My like quibble here is not with the specifics of the character. It's not the specifics of what the character says in that scene. My issue is with Christian Bale in that scene and in several other scenes. And he is a really good actor. And I think that he brought it at every point in the first two movies. I don't think he did. It wasn't the whole movie, but there are important scenes, scenes that, you know, we talked about it when we did interstellar, right? Anthony, like, the, the well-worn complaint at Christopher Nolan not knowing how to write human emotion, and I disagree with that. We disagreed with that when we talked about it in that one. I still disagree with it in this movie. My issue is not with the writing there it, or the directing. My issue is with the performance in that scene. That, I don't that, that is it. funny to me because I, I, I don't know if I don't want to put words into your mouth, Gary, but like to my, this is, in my opinion, this is his best performance as Batman. Yes. It sounded 100%. like you guys both said that in your tweet length reviews. For sure, Gary yeah, explicitly said that. <laughs> I disagree. I no. didn't think it was, I just thought it was uneven. Like there are some scenes fine. where he did just fine. Um, and there are some scenes where I was just didn't think he measured up. That's funny. I think that every character in this movie has taken on the weight of the previous eight years accordingly. And I think that they, I really, I really think they all bring it, which so it's so interesting. And to this see cast that is so ridiculous. I mean, one could argue this is Nolan's best front to back cast. I mean, Bale, Hardy, Hathaway, 
Gordon Levitt, Michael Caine, Gary Oldman, Courtyard, Freeman, Murphy. Neeson gets like a little flashback. Modine, Mendelssohn. I mean, that's deep. That's so deep. <laughs> uh, even even Burn Gorman, who is playing the exact same role as always. No, oh, it's it is. I, I I'm curious to hear more of your of of like the issues that you've had with him in other scenes. But I will say, I would like to point out some of the other characters. Uh, one of my favorite things about this is like similar to what I just said about about he you know Bruce is carrying the weight of the last eight years. Everybody is. Uh, Alfred probably more than anyone because he's he knows that at some point the truth's going to come out and he's going to ruin their relationship. Uh, Jim's PTSD, those flashbacks that he gets like within the opening of the movie of Dent and you getting the slightly peppered in backstory that like the wife left with the kids and all this stuff. And it's because he uh, because he backed this man that actually was putting his child in danger and he vilified the back, like this whole, his whole thing, like he understood why he did the things in the time, but the weight of that over the years has really brought him down. And like to the point where he has the speech in his pocket that he's ready to read, but then like kind of pulls back on and he's just so, he's so torn. And I think Gary Oldman, as per usual, crushes it. Yes, Gary Oldman's performance as Commissioner Cognitive Dissonance is incredible. Gary? Yeah. Correctly, not I, Oldman. <laughs> like I said, everyone... In, I mean, that's just the first 20 minutes. I mean, this movie... Yeah. Let's just switch to Tom Hardy, I guess, as Bane, because sure. that's the other main component of this movie, and I think one of the most rewatchable ones. Like, Okay, guys, here's the thing about the Joker and Heath Ledger's Joker. It's a great performance. It's not well written. I mean, every line that you remember isn't very clever. I mean, do you want to know how I got these scars? That's all delivery. That's not writing. My father was a drinker and a fiend. You know, it's all delivery. It's not... I killed a bus driver. I mean, that's probably maybe the most clever line that he has. Whereas Bane, (laughs) Bane dunks on people this entire movie, starting with Littlefinger in the plane where Littlefinger's just like, (laughs) you're a big guy. And Bane's just like, for you. (laughs) I mean, that's when the train comes off the track. I mean, crashing this plane. And we all remember uh, the two-minute trailer in the theater that was just this opening clip, pretty much, and how hard it was to understand Mm -hmm. exactly what Bane was saying. But they fix it by the initial (laughs) release of the movie, thank God. Uh, I think actually some people did get some um, cuts that were still the original Christopher before they fixed it, uh, just based on early releases and stuff like that. But I mean, Bane, <laughs> the Wall Street, like we could just quote Bane back and forth this whole time. And sure. it's it's the voice. Sure. The delivery is still important. It's but the lines. They make you laugh. It's the eyes, it's, man. It's he's the eyes. Funnier. He's funnier than the Joker. Like how many? Hmm. The Joker doesn't make you laugh in that movie. He's not funny. He's just scary. Where Bane's funny. Well, he's not I'd, crazy. I would say... <laughs> I would say from the perspective of the dialogue, yes, you're absolutely right. The one-liners and such that Bane has are much better. There's no question about it. 
And both their delivery is pretty excellent. I do think that the Ledger Joker is a more complete, well-rounded character. The way sure. the character is written. Um, so I think that that is the writing that's most important than the one-liners. Because you're right, a lot of it is just delivery. It's not, you know, although I will say that the I did enjoy when he's when he's converting Dent um, into Two-Face. I uh. that scene is really well-written. Yeah. Um, but overall, I agree that the specific dialogue that Bame has is a bit more punchy than the ones that, that Ledger has as the Joker. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and Bane is a, is a solid villain. He's, he's still also, you know, from the perspective of his, you know, bio is, is fairly well written. He's a big twist, right? That it's not him, that it's Miranda as Talia, you know, was a, was a pretty significant twist. Um, though one that, we should see coming. I will say one of my, so one of my major issues with this movie is you guys were kind of alluding to it already and kind of poo pooed it. And to me upon rewatch and having some time with it is a bigger issue for me. There are so many plot contrivances in this movie. It doesn't matter. <laughs> it does though. It does when it's measured against the other two Nolan movies. It's not when it's measured against other comic book movies. And that's the disconnect for me. I don't measure this against other comic book movies. I measure it against the other two Nolan Batman movies. And those movies largely, every movie has a contrivance or three. Like it's like it it happens. This one had so many of them. And like, uh, like upon rewatch, like Miranda is she's totally like screaming to you the whole time that she's got to be involved somehow because none of her character makes any sense. Like the dogged determination to explain to everyone how she's a different sort of billionaire, right? Like, Oh, that I'm the altruistic one or it's like, and no such thing exists actually for a movie that has so much on the nose. That's the one thing that they didn't really drive home properly. Like how like she was trying to so obviously throw off from her. Like, Oh no, no, no. I'm the, I'm the people's billionaire. You know what I mean? I'm the one who's going to save the world with my clean energy project. I threw the catering, you know, I paid for the catering of this charity. Like again, like ham handedly written. And it still doesn't even drive the point across that you're trying to get there where it's like set off the alarm bells that she's the, she's the one She's the one we should be watching out for. And like, at what point do we establish any sort of romantic connection between the two of them to where that's the problem. That's definitely she, a problem in the movie. So, yeah. So, I mean, it's like, it's kind I of, I would even of the whole movie, right. Where, you know, he goes broke and she just shows up at his house and we're just going to fuck now. Like at what point did we establish that we've been building sexual tension of any, no, it, uh, we we didn't. That's not the point. The whole point is that he's uh, Bruce Wayne at that moment is entirely alone for the first time. Whether he thought he was alone before that, now with Alfred gone, he is alone. And yeah. she, as th- as a very brilliant villain, was able to infiltrate his heart at that point. Sure, I don't have a problem with her succeeding. I have a problem with him failing in that moment. Canonically, wait, 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 why why do you have a problem with him failing in that moment? He's literally at like he's at a loss. He feels hopeless and alone. But she like didn't really try too hard. She's just she didn't have to. She's like, let me just fuck your problems away. Right. She she utilized his position 
She's this. She was waiting the whole. T- she's been waiting for years. She's she knows how to manipulate these nah, situations. It. It's, the, it's the it's the slow knife that you don't see coming. I, I do understand the uh, the. Al's point. right. They should have a deeper relationship if this is a trilogy for her to just show up out of nowhere. I mean, di- canonically, like Tally Al Ghul and Bruce Wayne give birth finally to like Damian Wayne. I mean, they do have, like, a kid in the comic books together, but just the fact that the first two movies spend so much time on Rachel being so important takes time away from any other love interest. So I think going backwards, yes, that's a problem. Um I think Marion Cotillard. Uh, I, I don't know. I don't. I'm not. I'm not going to yield on this one. I disagree. Like the he's. It, it's a different take on the character. Like the the background of the character is the same. The utilization is actually more villainous. And I, I actually I appreciated what happened there. Like I, there is there is slow manipulation throughout her entire life that's led to the uh, finality of the movie. The only flaw with this character for me is the death scene. Uh, yeah. It's the worst it's death tough. scene I've ever seen. <laughs> Again, pretty ham-handed, yes. But no, uh, I guess even, you know, to Gary's point, I would agree. Like if, if she kind of popped in and out throughout the course of movies or whatever, fine. But let's just say logistically we can't do it's that. It's a right? lot to put in one movie. It's a lot to put in one movie. But to see any sort of incremental developing of their relationship to where I would believe he would capitulate to her like i just don't buy it based on their interactions prior to that i don't buy it and to christopher nolan's you know um to his point here if this was an iron man movie it'd be much more choreographed and obvious i mean for what it is it's still very good anthony's right um but it i just feel like there should have been more backstory there uh, especially if you're going to do like well, Bane. that that's that kind just... of leads to my only my my major issue with the movie is that it should have been two movies. Okay, uh, it feels like two. Movies. The movie should have been split yeah. at the point of the breaking of the bat, and that gives you enough time to add an hour on either end of more character development and more relationship building, which they do a tremendous job of. I think in the two hour and forty minute runtime, considering how much is in the movie. Well, okay. I was to say it it. It feels like they Frankensteined two separate movies with the same plot like points like tied together where at times this movie is like paced and structured and feels like an origin story because it's Bane's origin story, essentially. But it's ending a trilogy. And Which those is, two things don't jive. It was like oh, that's what I'm saying, though. Two movies would have actually solved that problem. Yeah, yeah, which is, again, I think it's a failing of this movie on its own because it doesn't, like, the, the, the two things, the two tones, the two things they're trying to accomplish don't jive together into one movie. It feels disjointed. You know what it actually kind of reminded me of watching it was, you know when you watch a TV show that, like, has a first season that maybe it's really good, maybe it's kind of good, but there are, like, flaws to it and then they reboot the whole show for the second season Mm -hmm. that's how this movie felt to me as Uh. an addendum to the two movies (laughs) prior to it the first two movies feel like part of the same series this one almost feels like it's something entirely new with 
the same characters and, and actors portraying them in it. Like, I don't know. It's a, it's a continuation of that storyline, but it doesn't feel like it's uh, from the same I, universe. I, man, I, I do. I think you, oh, the there's a key point here of the first two movies are consecutive, and this movie is eight years later. I just, yeah, I feel like... I mean, they're, they're consecutive, but there is time between them. Not much. There's not much between the first and second. It's months, a year. Yeah, maybe. This is year. eight years. It's a big time gap, and they're all living with these these intense decisions that were made at the end of the second film. I understand, but what I'm talking about isn't just, like, they kind of re... Like, it, like I said, it feels like a reboot. Like, they're... There's times where it feels like watching the first movie in a series or a first episode in a series where they are explaining it to you like this is the first time you've been. I think, I mean, I, I just feel like the movie is calling back to other nostalgia. Um, and you guys, you, you there's do, definitely some of that too. Um, you do like a best moment, worst moment of a movie, right? Yeah. yeah. Okay. So, I mean, my best moment for this movie, and it's pretty ridiculous, is during <laughs> the Wall Street heist, uh, when the two cops are in the car, and you know Batman drives over them or whatever, and the the cop says to the other cop, "Boy, you're in for a show tonight," and that's Batman's big return. And one of my big problems yeah. with um, Batman Begins is it takes an hour for Batman to begin, but here's the irony. And I've never really admitted this before, but it takes 53 minutes for Batman to put on the actual suit in this movie. And that doesn't bother me. And that's because I find the world so much more lived in and everything's so much more ridiculous. Mm -hmm. I mean, this is just Christopher Nolan doing a big dumb action movie. And I love big dumb action movies. I mean, um, so yeah, for me that's the best moment and it yeah, it relies on nostalgia for The Dark Knight and even Batman Begins if you like that movie. It's just the build up of something that didn't exist before. I mean, you have to know, you have to see the other two movies to get the two cops talking to each other. I just think that's a just a great movie moment. Mhm. I'm, I'm with you. I do I love that. I was actually that's it's there's there's a handful of moments throughout watching the movie where I kind of just like prop myself up a little bit further in the seat and get real excited. Like, and it's like, that's one of them. Like I'm super involved. I feel like the, I feel like the other guy in the car at that point. Uh, it's just, it's so much, it's the movie. I find the movie to be a lot of fun. Um, as far as favorite moments, uh, I actually, uh, while I didn't harp on it before while I was, uh, when talking about it, I, I agree with you with Tom Hardy's performance. Like, or like he's, I think I, his, him as Bane, his, his lines, his monologues, his terrifying eye acting. <laughs> like I'm all about it. It's so, it's so good. Uh, and that between Bane's monologues and Alfred's monologues, like I'm, I could just listen to the script. It's, of this so movie. Good. <laughs> it's, I actually, so I was watching the movie and I have the script out. Um, I have the I have all three movies in like a, a giant book of the scripts. And I was going through it, kind of following along here and there. And it was so funny to see how many of the lines that hit so well are actually not written. They are slightly changed based on like I guess how they said them in the moment. Like not fully memorized, but like adjacent to what the actual line is. And the delivery is really where it's at in these movies. But um 
yeah, those are, I will say the, the, those specifically those, those monologues are my favorite part. Uh, Al, do you have a, a favorite moment? I don't know that I have one specific on. favorite moment for the movie. I enjoyed a lot of the big interactions between Bean and other characters. Cause it's like you said, like he had so many great one-liners where, you know, so those are some of the best moments of the, whether it be the intimidation, you know, the follow him. <laughs> one of my favorite. Lines. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, <laughs> it's great. I, I, I did kind of appreciate, you know, Gary saying, you know, he's just dunking on people throughout the whole course of the movie. Right? You, you think that gives you power over me? Yeah. And it's like, Oh, with that hand, on the reverse side on his shoulder as he says it. <laughs> I will say, I've always, and you know, it became a whole meme on, on the internet, right? I've always been confused by that death scene. It never made sense to me. Um, I don't believe that's how snapping someone's neck goes, precisely. You mean you don't snap and then scream? Like, protected <laughs> and with multiple octaves involved? No, not to <laughs> Yeah, um... That's what actually, he deserved after that clean slate speech. <laughs> actually, I kind of approved, despite the fact that it's full blown Basil exposition. I kind of appreciated like the way that Ben Mendelsohn did all that. Oh, oh. slate, the master tool that, it, and so like these are what I'm talking about when I have issues with like some of the issues with this is like I just groan when I hear those things. Like I don't find that Bro, to be. I mean, it's stupid. It's a comic book movie. <laughs> But the problem is, and again, it's measuring against other Nolan work. There are so many sequences and scenes of just unpolished mess that doesn't come into play in his other movies. It doesn't feel like his movie. Well, I, I will. So t- two things. One, the, the clean slate is the worst part of the movie. I have that down as my my least favorite part okay. is the exposition is the exposition around it. Uh, there sense. was there's a much better way to do that where you kind of hint at this thing that she wants. You don't really explain what it is. And in the moment when Bruce hands it to her, she says something along the lines of, is this going to work? And he tells her what she has to do. And then you understand what it's for. That's all you needed to do. I didn't need the whole the master tool yeah. for a master i didn't need any of that shit that, that i i i hate the clean slate monologue and i will say that that actually i had a huge problem with ben mendelson because of this movie until i saw him in things later on yeah because it's not a ben mendelson nice. issue it's a it, that's a script issue like because ben mendelson is a really good actor sure sure um, but I do want to, I kind of want to lean into a little bit. You keep saying like so many scenes I, and so many things. I'm going to need more examples because it feels like a lot of hyperbole. What do you mean? Like of, of your issues with the movie. I, I need more specifics because so far I haven't agreed except for Batman the clean slate. Catwoman <laughs> fighting back to back on a fucking roof. What else do you want? Well, I already told you. I mean, if you, if, if, <laughs> what is, if you re- what? <laughs> if you recall my tweet length review. And then Bane walking in holding his jacket. That's so cool. How could <laughs> you not cool. enjoy that? <laughs> if you recall the final line of my tweet-length review, great action set pieces don't outweigh the bloated and disjointed plot. Who there cares? Were great <laughs> action set pieces. Well, again, and I cannot harp on this enough, when measured against the polish of Batman Begins and The Dark Knight, this one doesn't measure up. Fine. It still oh. has the action sequences that are excellent as they were in the... Okay, fine. The problem is it does not have the tight plot and pacing and the polish of the other two movies. There are multiple issues with either poor writing, disjointed tone and plot not working, 
et cetera, so on. And I think inconsistencies in some of the acting. So preci- predominantly with with Christian Bale, I don't have a problem with Michael Caine or Gary Oldman or Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Maybe one or two scenes of Anne Hathaway, but for the most part, she did a great job as well. Uh, Tom Hardy did an almost singularly excellent job throughout the course of the movie. What were your what, what are some more issues you had with the plot? Um, well, I mean, like I said, the the whole I mean, Miranda the plot thing doesn't make any sense. He's right, but like <laughs> me and Anthony oh, can on. just enjoy no, that. St- I need more. This is too generic. What Bane is what's wrong with the Wall plot? Street to yeah. steal Bruce Wayne's money? That's that's impossible. Like Bruce Wayne would just say, "Hey, Bane stole all my money. <laughs> Stop it." <laughs> Um, he's a little too arrogant and it's actually his own downfall but go on sure um, but I I have worked in the financial world I've worked for a hedge fund just jumping in and throwing up some trades in the middle of that on Wall Street like they would have closed the market and no trades would have been able to be executed no matter how many fucking fingerprints you have okay so it's more of an execution issue that you have than a plot issue I mean in that scene sure okay it's um, 2020. No town or city would have everybody evacuate as opposed to just calling in every military vehicle there is to shoot Bane. I mean, it's literally opposite of like what would actually happen. That's just what happens in like Arkham City games. And that's fine. That services sure. the movie. But that, I mean, yes, Al's right. There, there are plot problems with this movie. Either you can get past a great director doing just absolute schlock to the highest standard that he has, or you can't, and you think it's well, ridiculous. The thing is, like, I, I groaned during it because it's lowest common denominator version of that. It's the schlock version of what Nolan's doing. But I'll grant him, you know, the liberty to do a, you know, when she disappears and he goes, oh, so that's what it feels like. Like, that's funny. Like, that's it's funny. That was, that it's, was funny. It, it's grown worthy, but it's funny. Like, it, and it works for there. And because this movie is a little darker somehow, even than the Ledger one, like, this is, all of them are dark to some extent. This, in, in a lot of ways, is darkest. It's got the most somber tone from start to finish of the rest of them, while the other ones certainly dabble in that at times or even, you know, throw themselves fully into it. It's never been the whole time in those movies the way it was in this one um if you want to talk about specific plot and scene stuff like that another one that i have a pretty big issue with is the fight with bane what happens to all of his gadgets he does the thing where he throws the little smoke bomb and he talks about theatricality another great line for bane he has a million of them in that scene right but realistically what happened to all of his gadgets in that fight I mean, he had all sorts of batterings and knives and gas-powered knives that he could shoot off of his fucking gr- the the uh, with those greaves. Is that what it is on the or um, gauntlets? Gauntlets, yeah. Like none of that comes into play. He never attempts to use anything in his arsenal in this yeah. fight. I- and the League of Shadows never steps in to do well, anything. Like they fight that- the police, but they <laughs> the whole. Him, him not using the. Uh, it's more about. I feel like the. He's not focused. That's part of it. He's also out of practice. That's those. I, I have no. I don't actually have an issue with him not using all of his gadgets. I feel like that actually is more in line with where he's at right now. Uh, and he's but he just kind of frustrated. Least of his gadgets against his most intimidating foe. He, he's not using his mind at all, though. 
but but he used another one to turn the lights off and like try and sneak up on him. Like yeah, but it was it was not. It it seemed more of a reaction than a than actually like play. Like he wasn't. He almost seemed like he was just being like like almost flailing in the moment. I get that. You know, he's the most brawling that he is in any of them. At one point, he literally just screams to like hype himself up. Ah! <laughs> yeah, um, it's just it. I mean, he did he not use some of that stuff? Did, I mean, he he was training before he goes out onto the streets, admittedly on a fairly short basis. But he was going out and fighting all these people. He was trashing them, this and that. He's got his motorized leg thing, which again, if we want to talk about plot contrivances, he breaks his own back. They heal his back, I guess. Um, but the dude couldn't walk without his motorized knee brace, and then he can make that like death-defying jump without the knee brace because he fixed his back. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because he fixed his back, which also <laughs> then fixed his knee, which had zero cartilage, does not allow Ow, him to do yeah, This movie but, doesn't make but, sense. Either but, you're like on yeah. the ride or you're not on the ride. And me <sighs> and Anthony are on at the, the end at the end of the day, ride. Batman it, Batman's a, ca- a comic book character, and I actually think that this is actually more in line with what probably should have been done for yes. the character for the entire series. I reject that when you consider how good the first two movies are. Uh, I, so I reject that. But you, you can only go so turn. far with that. You can only be like, this is the most realistic Joker. This is the most yeah. realistic. Well, you, you can't get into Mr. Freeze. You're either realistic you can't or you're not, is what I'm Catwoman. saying. Catwoman. You can't have, like, this is Christopher Nolan breaking the barrier and going full fucking Batman. And that's what he should have been no, doing. No, no, because yeah. Bane, movie. while he is super strong, while Bane is super strong, he's still grounded in in some form of physics. There's no Lazarus pits. There's no fucking Clayface or any of that bullshit. This is the true blue, grounded, realistic Batman. We had it for two thirds of the series. Sure. You don't get to make a hard left turn like that and then not get criticized for it when you're going to go into the sensational. I it's not. I, I will. I will argue. It's not. It's not as hard of a turn as you're saying. It's going up to the line. It's pretty, but gradual. it's not crossing it. It's pretty gradual over time. Yeah. The, the what over time? All of a sudden, we're we're just in this movie doing this. This is a fucking trilogy. This is the third movie in the series. Razak Ghoul. Was in the like, second, in the second movie, we go a little bit crazier with like the gadgets and the fun stuff, and we get a little bit more over the top. And in this one, it, it takes that to the next level for sure. Uh, and a lot of the, a lot of the, of the silly things, like the, like I, I understand what you're saying, if, especially if you're referring to getting being grounded in reality, the the back breaking and then healing yourself and working through it. Um, that's actually, again, I'm going back to the flaw of this should have been two movies. There should have been a longer period of time. Well, there was a long period of time. It's just not really, um, it's not super clear how long is, how well, long. That's another thing is t- timelines in this get very wonky, but I, I'll even give them that because you get kind of a mini montage. There's clearly passage of time there. So like, even though I'm not entirely sure how long, there's clearly passage of time. So fair enough. Right. But all like, of these really characters. All these characters, especially Bruce, Bats, Bruce slash Batman, are psychologically damaged from their work prior to this. And the whole movie is them kind of getting, coming to grips and getting back to their roots almost, uh, especially for, especially for Bruce of like, he really originally wanted to save the city and it's kind of devolved under his nose 
uh, literally with that. I mean, the whole the, the the League of Shadows underground being under your nose. All of that is a symbolism. That's there. It's there underground for a reason like that. It's like right there in front of you and uh, having to kind of rally and get back into it and become that symbol again. Like oh, that. That's so awesome to me. I don't, I don't, I, I don't have a problem with the big picture message. And they beat Captain that. America Winter Soldier by about two years. So. <laughs> I, I don't have a problem with that big picture messaging like that. I, I don't. And uh, e- again, even though it's a bit ham-handed, the Dark Knight rises, they're chanting rise while he does it. I'm okay with that, you know, with a big sweeping score and it's supposed to be kind of like a rocky training montage type of deal. Like, I'm good with that as, you know, kind of rah-rah bullshit as it is. I'm good with it. It, it actually works with that part of the whole thing. And, and the larger symbolism... The whole point of what the the Nolan trilogy is grounded in is that Batman is a symbol for the people to rise up. And in the third movie, we finally literally get the people to rise up. I like that part of it. I appreciate that part of it. That works. There's other things that are holding it back too significantly is, is my problem with it. There's another thing that we haven't, we kind of danced around the edges of it from, from my own sake uh, what i found to be and it's funny because on the front end i actually want to commend the attempt to go with a different tone for this movie the first two are built on like the whole like the suspense the tension the mystery right the first one is we're building up to what how do we get to be batman and there you get some thriller sections right you get like a chemical Uh, like acid trip type of thing when he gets hit with the gas and it's, we don't know who crane is, who scarecrow is with all that. It's about the second one, you know, figuring out the, the Joker and all that sort of stuff is a lot of tense, mysterious stuff that's going on. This one largely skews all of that in favor of like a more like elegiac tone. Sure. I I don't think it's an actual mystery. I think this is the movie for Batman fans who just know who Tally Al Ghul is and know who Bane is. It's not some big mystery. Well, that's what I'm, that's what I'm getting at is knowing that with no actual surprise to be had on that. Although, you know, it ends up being, if you, if you're not super familiar with it, it ends up being a, a significant twist, right? that she's the one who was in the pit, all that sort of stuff. So it kind of throws all that by the wayside and it goes to this other like somber, dark, like lament type of tone where it's saying the the whole movie is we're going to put to rest the legend of Batman. Like maybe we don't realize that at the beginning, but by the end, right, we have like a funeral for Batman. And I find that to be commendable because it works as a capper for this trilogy and for the movie on its own. The problem is, I think when we have so many sequences that are like, now is the time where we're going to consider how sad this whole situation is and consider how sad state of affairs in Gotham are and consider how, that we've like lost our innocence with Dent, right? We've lost our protector in Batman and, you know, wish we could have those better times now. It totally kills that propulsive like pacing that makes the first two movies feel essential. This movie just ultimately doesn't feel essential. 
It's, it's just it's so funny to, to disagree so strongly that like I feel like this is the perfect conclusion to this trilogy. Yes, <laughs> there's a lot of criticism of, especially with time having passed, of like Endgame for being like checking too many boxes. Yeah, of, like, I think Endgame service. is a much less successful version of this. I I, I feel like both of them are guilty of the same thing, but the difference is Endgame is in on the joke the whole time. Like it's they're true. like they're winking at you, like yeah, we get it. We're we're just kind of doing the thing, and it, so they have fun with it. And you I guys said something earlier. I think me and Anthony see the fun, and you don't see the. fun. I don't think most of this movie. I don't think is very fun. There are there are <laughs> certainly some sequences that are. I don't think that most of this movie is fun. I, huh. I think it's. I think at the end of the day, uh, Christopher Nolan set out to do his version of Batman, and at like it feels very grounded in the beginning, in the very beginning. Um, from from minute one on, it gets less and less grounded. From I mean, from minute one of Batman Begins on, and it's just at this point we've built on that so much that like there is a it's still there is a hard line between the campy comic book movie and this Nolan style Batman movie and the Dark Knight Rises goes right up to the line, but it does not go over it. See, I don't view it nearly as gradually. No as one you're gave saying. a shit who Bane was. He was just some guy from some '90s movie that had glowy tubes and like grunted. Like this really put no, him. The, <laughs> that's the problem. Is that that's what people remember Bane exactly. as before this. And this performance is so nuanced, so much more watchable. Like every time you get a little something different, just because Tom Hardy it's, is. It, it's also so much more accurate. Well, you don't have any disagreement for me on that front. I mean, I'm totally on board with you guys with that. I just, I, 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 I don't have a better way to convey to you guys what I'm saying. I find it odd that you guys view it so differently of me at that. You feel it was so incrementally headed this way. Whereas to me, it feels like we were walking along a knife's edge and then just decided to take the plunge. I mean, what? Yes, it's just unrealistic. Like, what Batman villain was going to be, what the Riddler was going to be in Batman 3. And I, I just don't understand what was going to make ground things more in reality. It, it, it could have been Calendar Man. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, the thing is, I think Bane in this movie is more grounded than you would have expected. Like, sure. Especially if you have that, you know, PTSD from the, the Clooney Batman movie, like that Bane was ridiculous. Yeah. Um, so this, ridiculous. this Bane is less grounded than the Joker and Scarecrow, but not by leaps and bounds. It's close enough. It's within the error of like the margin of error. Like it's, it's fine. I, uh, that's not the issue I have. Bane is not the issue I have with this movie in any way. With the exception of the way that he kills people, because I still don't understand the the Daggett murder. I still don't it's, understand. Not going to argue with you on that. It's a very weird scene. And, 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 <laughs> I, I still True. don't understand the way he kills the uh, special forces guy either later on. But again, those are like the most trifling of issues. Like those are not what's bringing down the grade for me at all. They're just kind of like curiosities. Like what's going on over there exactly? You know uh. what I mean? Like. <laughs> okay, so me and Al's least favorite part, I think Anthony already did his, which was... The clean slate. Yes, the clean <laughs> slate. 
Okay. It's so- actually a tie between the clean slate and uh, Miranda's aggressive death. <laughs> That's awful. Like the, also, again, it's, like it's a lot of exposition when she's dying. It's a, it's, a, it's a very heavy last breath is what it is. <laughs> I don't like the mayor death. I think it's very unnecessary. Like, this guy's put up through so much. Like, he had the fucking jump scare what about in the Dark Knight. That confusion, though, that he has right before it happens. He's like, what? what? And then bang! <laughs> Wait, the mayor died? Yeah, yeah, the mayor dies in the football field uh, explosion. Oh my god, I don't think I ever noticed that. Yes. Yeah. So I love that it's it's the Pittsburgh Steelers because they shot this whole movie in Pittsburgh. (laughs) I mean, if this guy did actually anything wrong, sure. But like, I don't remember anything in the series indicating he was a villain. Um, You know, I mean, he clearly (laughs) is, you know, a politician's politician. So we'll just leave. Yes. Um, Politics bad. Just a routine training (laughs) exercise. And that's not a party lines thing. It's just, uh, you know, he's a true blue politician. Um, uh, shit, there was an... Oh, sorry. I have This isn't like a, a gripe or, a, or anything like that. I, I'm actually genuinely asking because you guys seem to be more familiar with some of the, the details of it. Sure. Um, there's a scene that makes me wonder whether... Is, was there an extended version of this movie or like a director's cut or something like that? I don't there's a scene so. during like the post-Bane revolution you know, before Batman comes back that I don't recall in any way, shape or form having happened before. Um, and I just possibly forgot when the, I, and I don't remember the name of the girl, but when, um, what the hell is, uh, Selena, when Selena and the, and her little sidekick who I never really understood her purpose in the movie. Um, they go into some house and they look at the shattered picture on the ground. What was that picture? No, that was always there. I think they just feel bad because they're taking advantage of people. I forget. Yes, I, I vaguely understand what you're talking about, but um, I don't know. The, it's, it's almost. It's funny. It's a. It's. I think it's like them coming to grips with like they've been kind of preaching that something like this needed to happen and was going to happen, and they were all for it. And then once it did, the just the weight of what that was. And how bad it really is, like, dawned on them. Like it was just a rich family. Praying okay. on the week now or something. I don't that, know. That's what I thought, but I wasn't 100% sure. And because I was a little bit tired and I was also just didn't really want to fuck with Plex and have it f- screw with me if I rewound. I wasn't sure if that picture was of someone specific and there was some like specific reason if I missed something. Not, not to my knowledge. Okay. So then yes, what you guys are viewing is like the big picture of what the scenes about makes sense to me. And like, I actually, I, I appreciate that. It is a nice little touch to, you know, what the collateral damage to this sort of revolution is going to look like, right. Where it's like, it's easy to think about it in the abstract, but knowing what that means on the ground floor to the actual people living it is like, and it's funny because there's little touches like that. that I kind of mentioned earlier throughout the movie where it's like, there's something there. There's something I think that Nolan wants to say, and he just kind of lets it exist in the background. Whereas he handedly handles some of these other things where it's like, maybe if you backed off that a little bit and spent a little bit more time on this, it would be a little bit more resonant. I don't know. That's true. I think, I mean, that only 
leapfrogs off the dark night where he's doing surveillance and uh, the Patriot Act or whatever. So I don't know if the studio told yeah. him to like tone that down um, or what happened there. Or if he just, like you said, didn't have a real idea about the wealth divide or the 1% or anything like that. Or this movie was made two or three years. I later. mean, that was a major storyline. The first two movies. Yeah. And it just kind of, you know, ham handedly, like you said, goes into that. Um, yeah, because you get the you get the line as as and as true as the line may be. You had some subtlety and nuance to it in the first two movies, and you get to see the both sides or only all sides of those situations t- it, it, to some degree, right? It's not a whole the whole movie isn't devoted to that, right? But no. we get a good snapshot into the situation and what his prevailing thesis on that is, vis a vis the way things are going in Gotham. Whereas in this movie, you only really get the big scene where they're at the dance in the charity ball or whatever. And she says, you know, you're going to want one day you're going to wonder how all of you could have lived so large for so long and didn't think and, you know, not leave anything for the rest of us type of thing. It's like and this is what I'm talking about with these. Like, it's like it's death by a thousand cuts where it's like the polish of like the subtlety and nuance of how that's explained in the first two movies gives way to that big dumb scene and it's like Mm -hmm. which is fun it's kind of fun right but it's it's not clever it's just it's still ahead of its it's, time i feel it's on this is all so far these issues a lot of these issues that you seem to have with it i feel like could have been resolved with a two-part movie Okay, so then, but so then that's a, this is valid criticism then. Like, then do it right is mm. what I'm saying. Like, you've proven in the past you know how to do it right. So you don't get the benefit of the doubt when you do it wrong. It's not, it, I don't know that it was that simple though, um, as far as making the movies. Like, I, I, I'm not, I'm not defending that, like, I would prefer it to be two movies. I would, like I said, I, there's a clear cut point where the movie would have broken into two parts. Um, there is obviously uh, licensing and, co- and property issues when it comes to the characters. I don't know that he would have had the freedom to do that. That's fine. So then make a better movie. I don't make a, I think make it's a movie. A great movie. I think it stands on its own. I mean, we don't yeah. have to backtrack anything. I don't. Yeah. I just, I guess all I'm saying is I, I view the first two as singular and self-contained movies that achieve and execute on their goal. And, tie together in a series adequately. This one doesn't tie in adequately with the other two, and it doesn't stand alone on its own because you keep asking for it to be split into two movies, which no, okay, hang on. I'm saying it would be, I would have preferred that just because I would have gotten more out of it. Um, I, it, it does stand on its own. Um, it is unique from the other two. It has its own, it, it, it does comic book, mixed with realism probably the best where it probably. still has its semblance of a comic book movie whereas the other movies don't um this they're is just than doctor strange man but and now, but, I'm but not comparing it to the doctor two strange. the two the two other movies that are so closely close in tone and it, it i really do think that you really have to look at the time jump yeah but i i don't think i don't think i'm out of line to reject that you making such a significant it, you guys are talking about incremental and that it doesn't stand alone. Now you're saying that it is unique and 
that it's a time jump and it has to be different or that it just it's fine that it is different. And maybe it is fine. Like, I guess, suppose that is a matter of opinion. But to me, why this movie doesn't work is it is so dramatically different than those other two movies. And it's not just in tone. It's in, I believe, polish and execution quality is substantially lesser than the other two movies. Yeah, I I will say I I could see where you're coming from with the criticism of polish. Um, I and I do uh, I will attribute that I I do think that's attributed to like I said the whole there I would they things. just needed more time. But um, that being said, it didn't it didn't bother me enough to make me dislike the movie. Like it's still well, I, I already said at the front end. I still think it's an enjoyable movie. I just think that it is substantially less quality movie than the other. Just the first two movies are so sweaty. Like you could tell like all the <laughs> intricacies Like Christopher Nolan's trying so hard. It's like, Oh, this is a tightly wound thing. You get this w- one shot of Batman or the Joker holding his mask. And you know, I mean, he kills this guy and this guy kills this guy and the Joker crew. This movie's just fun. It's just fucking just go for the ride and have a good time. And it's just so unique seeing I this mean, there's, there's from some Christopher scenes, Nolan. Like, right, where, like the scene with the clean slate when he shows up and they fight on the rooftop and then they get like air like rescued by the whatever the, the did they ever give a name to what that thing? Oh, just the, the bat, right? The bat. Yeah. Um, that That is a fun scene yeah. for sure. Like it's not entirely devoid of fun. But overall, I didn't find it to be a fun, enjoyable like ride in, in that sense. This movie, I think there's a lot of like dark, ominous tones to this movie. It's a somber sure. movie by design. I just didn't think it worked. Like I, I, I commend you know the fact that the movie is to be the end of an era, and so it's reflected in that. Where there are times where we're just going to reflect on the fact that Batman will be no more, whether it dies because he hangs up the cowl whatever um i understand the choice it just again i think the execution was failing there is a couple of scenes that i think we need to talk about uh just visually stunning scenes um i love the fight sequence with obviously with the with the breaking of the bat but my favorite part of that scene is the explosive going up into the R and D section of Wayne Tower, and then dropping one of the tumblers down. What a scene! Yes. That was <laughs> so incredible. so freaking good. Uh, I, I uh, agree with Gary with the whole uh, "kid, you're in for a show." That scene, awesome. Yes. Batman's back. I love that. Like Batman returns on the on the screen with a question mark. Like like <laughs> subtle. Um, <laughs> and then, but like 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 that's a moment where hey, we're having fun now, and it's fun and it's good. Mm-hmm. I nope. I have no quarrel with that. The uh, and then one other th- one one thing that I noticed this time around that I feel like I haven't pinpointed before is I know I know the autopilot was fixed. I know that it was fixed prior to the finale of the movie. It was only this time rewatching it that I realized that it was fixed prior to him going out the first time, and that's the only reason why the bat would have been where it is when he goes, as he calls it in. Yes, huh. <laughs> which is like I feel like that's super subtle and never talked about. But that is the only reason that that would have been there. 
Yeah, and that's what I'm what I was talking about, like plot contrivances, where like none, of, no one of them breaks the movie, right? But it's just like when they all add up, it's like, and so like this happened, and then that happened, and like this happened. It's like, uh, I well that I that's not so much a plot contrivance as much as it is a like I actually think that that's more of a continuity thing. I think they did He's a good Batman. job there. He does Batman things. Uh, so I, I guess you could call it either one. I, they're kind of inextricably linked, right? The uh, the other thing that I really that we haven't touched on at all is uh, is Joseph Gordon Lovett's yes. character, who I I love him in this movie. I, so I love him good. in most movies, but uh, he's such like he's such a sarcastic dick the entire movie. <laughs> And it's so good. <laughs> the facial expressions that he makes in response to somebody calling him a hothead or like dismissing him are just perfect. <laughs> I think it's yeah, I good. Mean, he, I was like, he was, I mean, he's a better actor than the material warrants ultimately. Like not, it's not like a terribly written character. It's just kind of, the character's kind of just there, but his acting gives it some substance. Yeah, I, I, I'm just, I'm just a fan of him in general. I also liked, I liked the scene where he, one of my favorite scenes with him is when he comes into the hospital room, uh, and he has something to say, and basically like it's a, it's a strong move of going into where the commissioner is while his technical boss is there, so that he could say something that the commissioner will, will actually want to hear and then take him seriously. Like that was a, that was such a power play. <laughs> <laughs> and then me like you're uh, you lose the uniform you work for me now i was just like yes <laughs> every time every time uh but when he re- when he repeats the line about uh coincidence i will agree with you ham-handed there <laughs> if you're gonna make three batman movies you're gonna have at least one robin so you know <laughs> it's gonna happen one way or another um is That's it true. at least he didn't say holy rusted metal Ah, uh, <laughs> holy rusted metal, Batman! What? If only. <laughs> if they found like some way to pepper that in. Oh, I also, know. I mean, first I, time that I watched the movie uh, in just glorious 4K, and uh, when he goes to the um, the construction site where he fights those two guys and shoots one. And then has the other guy basically shoot himself by the bullet ricocheting off the dump truck. When he shoots that first guy, there is just an explosion of blood that I've never seen before. <laughs> I was like, oh, dear. <laughs> oh, man. JGL. Also known as Robin. That, that, was, that, was, that was definitely forced. Yes. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Like, like I said, you're going to make three Batman movies. You have to have at least one Robin. I mean, and there's no... <laughs> that's that's how things go i would i would have been okay with them like giving him the spelunking gear and getting him into the bat cave without ever saying the words robin (laughs) well i guess you know if you're gonna go through the whole point of making him the orphan you know at least he didn't have his parents die in a tragic circus accident (laughs) oh i also like how he's such a boss about going to wayne manor and being like i know who you are let's get past that here's the problem (laughs) i know i was an orphan because you I saw were an your... orphan. <laughs> yeah, I know who you are because we are both orphans and I know the look on your face. Hence, heretofore, I know who Batman is. <laughs> it's just science. <laughs> oh, man. I mean, uh, hell, like, you could have done that scene and had it just been, you know, we're both orphans. We both learned how to grow up on the street in tough situations. You know how to read people. And I knew as soon as I saw you, 
heard you. Orphan, you know I mean? billionaire. What sort of mask <laughs> you wore, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I could see right through the facade, you know what I mean? Like, that would have been better than, I know what orphans feel like. <laughs> you know, you, you know, it's a really heavy scene with him that it's like, it's completely thrown away because we don't linger on it for like a second. But he has this partner that's trapped underground for months finally breaks him out only to have him shot immediately and then a grenade thrown down the sewer where he came out of <laughs> like the entire thing is heartbreaking and we don't spend any time on it <laughs> also the moment in which he says let me call my partner who's been underground for months is the first time we find out he had a partner true <laughs> also i have another question about this is kind of an existential question about batman when they come down to it at the end right he gets stabbed he's bleeding out Maybe he'll die. He's going to transport a nuclear device. Maybe he'll die. Now you know what it feels to have something hard penetrate. (laughs) (laughs) Nothing. And and, uh, so he's having his tearful goodbyes, right? And he says to, to Jim, you know, you know. Sometimes it's just as like important as having someone tell you the world is an ending and putting a coat over your shoulders, right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Something like that. During that whole sequence in which he's saying goodbye to Jim and to um, Selena and to Lucius, right? And two no. of those three, was Lucius not there for that? No. Oh, I guess not. Okay. So <laughs> Lucius I, almost got washed away. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's why I was saying I couldn't remember if he got out and we yeah. joined them while they, while they were leaving or whatever. But so he's saying goodbye to the two of them, right? And, mm-hmm. and Miranda had just died. One of those people, know, one of those people knows he's Batman. Mm-hmm. And the other person he's hinting to he knows Batman. Yeah. He's about to die, maybe. Yeah. And he's about to fake his own death, but he also could die and bleed out. Sure. Why is he still using the Batman voice? So, uh, people have had an issue with this for the longest time. I don't know what it was. I was always under the impression that there was a voice modulator, and he was also doing his thea- like a little bit of his theatrics, but mostly something in there. But I could be completely wrong about that. I mean, when you watch Batman vs. Superman there is clearly a voice modulator. Mm-hmm. This is clearly Christian Bale doing a voice. And it always has been. Does so I just assume better if he's doing a Christian Bale voice? I mean, I don't think so. Wait, what? I mean, would it make the scene better for you if he was doing just his, I'm Bruce Wayne, this is my voice, like just a regular voice? or? Well, if the idea is in this moment in which I may or may not be sacrificing my life for Gotham, as I promised I would do, and we're unveiling myself. I understand he's not literally taking off the mask, but it doesn't matter. He's, you know, symbolically shedding his skin and being the white knight, you know, being the hero Gotham deserved and needed in this moment. It's not really Batman saving them at this point. It's Bruce Wayne or you know, the intersection of Bruce Wayne and Batman, his two personas together. Uh, who, why doesn't he fully unveil himself? And you as- kind of, you actually kind of answered the question there. And I actually think it's more of a symbolism thing than anything else of that. Bruce Wayne doesn't exist anymore. He is full. He has become Batman. Well, I guess there to this point, there has been Bruce Wayne and Batman with a, a sharp dividing line between the two of them. And this is the melding of those two people. Mm-hmm. Those two personas have become whole and one now. No, the, the Bruce Wayne persona though, always seen, it was always kind of, there was never really a redeeming quality to the Bruce Wayne persona. 
I mean, other than when he wrecks his Lamborghini to save what's his name. Yeah, but, I mean, no, he was trying to catch a light. Otherwise, yeah. Bruce Wayne is the facade. I mean, Batman is yeah, the real. That's the person. whole thing. No, 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 no. You guys are doing the thing. David Carradine talked about it in Kill Bill. <laughs> Only Superman gets to do that. Only Superman gets to be wearing a costume as Clark Kent and being himself as Superman. Batman puts on a cape. He even says no, he didn't no, no. Bruce Wayne died with his parents. Batman was born that day. Yeah. <laughs> I I don't agree. As but, he danced with the devil in the pale moonlight. <laughs> regardless, in that moment, who is he putting on the voice for? Is I guess what I'm asking. Is it? I understand. So, I understand. Yeah, I see. I hear what you're saying. I, the I, question uh, and uh, again, this is this is not a, like a gripe. I'm actually just I'm kind of curious about the mechanics of that. Like, I I do think that that's what it means though. I think it has. I think it's more supposed to like it like be the implication that he is fully Batman. Well, that's kind of what I was asking. I was going to ask it from the other side of that, really, though. But is it a psyche thing? Is it can he not do it because he's in costume doing Batman things? So method. Well, I don't mean Christian Bale method. I mean Bruce Wayne method. Is, it is doesn't he... matter. If he's wearing the mask, he's doing the voice. If he's not wearing the mask, he won't do the voice. I mean... That's what I'm asking is, you know, is he... Because I am doing Batman things in Batman regalia... Must I be Batman? Must I be in character as Batman, even as I'm revealing myself, the, my true self, you know, the, 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 the stitching together of my two sides of my persona? Must I still maintain that aspect of Batman? Or wouldn't it have made, I'm asking, wouldn't it have made maybe more sense? Would it have been more poetic for as his facade falls and the two sides can finally coexist together, could he be Bruce Wayne in Batman clothing rather than just Batman in that moment. Yeah, no, I don't know. I think it. It. I, I think there's something to be said for fully leaning into being Batman and abandoning Bruce. Sure, um, I'm. And, I'm just and, asking the no, question. No, I know. I'm, that's that's. I'm just saying. That's what I. That's that's kind of how I gauge it. I would say that that's that makes sense to me, um, and that actually makes me even appreciate the scene in a way that I didn't before because I never thought about it. Um, yeah. Like I said, I for whatever reason I was always under the impression that like. There was like that raspiness was part of like something that was going on in the suit. Only because like he's never once not sounded like that in the suit, whether he was talking to. I feel like when he's talking to Alfred and he's got the suit on, he, he sounds that way. Yeah, but I, again, I think actually that would go to the point of it being psyche, right? Where it's like, Could I be. am. I have. I am taken up the mantle of Batman. And though. Yeah. So I will be Batman, you know? And then we could say at some point, Alfred's like, first off, stop it with that ridiculous voice. <laughs> <laughs> also, here's a diet soda. <laughs> That's what Alfred used to sell, right? Back in the 80s. It was Diet Coke, I believe. Did it? <laughs> the advertisements before the movies. Oh, man. I love these movies. I just want to rewatch them again. So much fun. I also want to rewatch all of the Batman clips. I did see the one with Penguin the other day. Ah, so good. This 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 particular movie gave us a couple of great ones. It gave us it gave us the Batman being stabbed and not being able to not make a sexual joke about everything. <laughs> that was a great one. But more more so in line with what you were just asking us about with that final scene of him talking to Jim, the whole him closing the Batwing and opening it and closing it, not fully knowing how to control it, and telling him. By the way, I'm Bruce Wayne, and he's like, "Yeah, I got it." <laughs> <laughs> such a great, such a great skit. 
I actually uh, think and, the Gordon character in those skits might be the best one when yeah. <laughs> it's like he just so clearly hates him. What have you done with the commissioner? Are you do you not know who I am because I took my glasses off? <laughs> like that's like just he's so condescending to him. But then after all of that, the pivot to when they have the one with Superman and now he's on Batman's side. Yeah. Where he's agreeing with him. They never agree. They yeah. never see eye to eye. And then he's uh, trashing Superman alongside him, I think was great. We we have brought these skits up numerous times on the show, but if you have yet to watch them, Batman. Pete Holmes' Batman skits are amazing. So, Are you a fan of these? So good. Is, is there a Patton Oswalt one or no? Yes. Okay, so yes. I think I've seen that one. Yes. Yeah, there's a whole stretch of them. There's one of them where him and, and Superman are going to team up for the first time. There's one, like, like Anthony said, the scene um, when he's defeated Bane and then finds out Miranda is, you know, the is, is actually Talia al Ghul and all of it is just him making cracking jokes about how he fucked Talia to like <laughs> stick it to Bane. Um, there's the scene where he's going to fly off with the thing and he's trying to hint to, to them that he's Batman and Gordon's like, you yeah, know, I, I knew the whole time. Yeah. Like, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I think my, my, the Superman one has to be my favorite. One of my, well, maybe not the Joker one is pretty great, but the Superman one where he's uh, I, Batman, I need your help. And he goes, why? Why? <laughs> <laughs> Because my arch enemy is a roided out freak and he straight up broke my back. <laughs> yeah, the, the Joker one probably is the best one. Um, that if you if you haven't seen any other ones other than the penguin one, that's the one I would probably start with. That one. It's the scene where he's interrogating him and in- Who punches a hand? <laughs> Yeah. Where are yeah. they? Oh my god! Ooh. <laughs> that, 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 that's such a great yeah. <laughs> he takes he smacks his head. Punches, uh, who punches a hand? <laughs> so so good. So I got drunk at a birthday party. <laughs> yeah, Eddie, the whole concept is he's he's interrogating the wrong clown. Yep. Uh, any other closing thoughts on the Dark Knight Rises? Um. I've always been a little confused about the motorcycle and the spinning of the front wheel. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Again, uh, not really a Just for fun, thing, I'm pretty sure, is the only reason. I, I think so. it must just be fun. And it is. It's funny looking. Like, you know. It also <laughs> makes me, like, if, if the wheel can spin that way, there was really no reason to ride up the wall in the dark night and then flip around. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we could have just turned. <laughs> <laughs> Although I will say that in that one scene in The Dark Knight Rises where he's turning the bike and he's just kind of like going <laughs> and, he's, and, he's, and it's turning really slowly that that was a little silly. <laughs> Gary? I think this movie gets better with every watch. I mean, Bane has so much to uncover. His lines are so funny. I mean, nothing we didn't already say. I mean, either you're down for like a super high art director just doing ridiculous schlock at the best level, or you're not. And you can find like the funny and the good for the bad for what it is. I mean, I think this is just a big dumb action well, movie, and I love big dumb action movies. <laughs> I, I, one, one thing that we didn't mention about uh, Tom Hardy's Bane is when he is delivering some of those ridiculous lines and his eyes are about four feet outside of his head, 
Like they've like really just protruded at that point. And he's, and we give it back to you. And like his eyes, like Roger Rabbit. Yeah. Like just, (laughs) oh man. So good. Well, that's all for this week's episode of Flicks in the Six. We hope you enjoyed it. As always, if you have a movie for us to review or nuggets for us to discuss, you can send those requests to Flicks in the Six at thespintune.com or tweet us at thespintune. Tune in next week for more movie and beer goodness. Until then, I'm Anthony Costanzo. I'm Albie Olsey. I'm Gary Garicki. <laughs> Thanks for coming out. Yeah.